Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, how about that? A home win for the Utah Jazz. They beat the Portland Trailblazers. They beat them handily. Uh, They defended well in spurts, the Jazz did. And then in other spurts, they'd get up big and they just let the Blazers back into the game. It's a 22-point lead. It's down to 15. It's down to 10. It's back to 17. The Jazz were just scoring at will. Portland defensively. They just seemed lost. I'm I'm not exactly sure what they were trying to do. I listened to Locke's postcast trying to figure out if he knew what they were trying to do. He claims he knows what they were trying to do, but he also says what they were trying to do had no chance of working, which is why I'm not sure that's what they were trying to do, because obviously it wasn't going to work. They were giving up a whole bunch of corner threes, and they were giving up alley-oops at the rim to Rudy. I'll bet we could beat this Jazz team if we just let Gobert dunk and uh, let all their sharpshooters shoot corner threes. That was the plan? Really? Didn't make any sense to me, but a Jazz team that needed a win and needs to get on track and needs to feel good about itself, man, the Blazers were exactly what the doctor ordered. Jazz had stretches where they looked really good and they got to feel better about themselves. And now they got three days off, which is probably more than they want, but they got three days off. They don't play again until Friday. They got the Celtics on Friday. So a win for the Jazz. And then a bizarro Monday night football game with a blocked extra point return for a two-point conversion. And then Seattle having to go the length of the field. One touchdown the whole game. Kind of Alabama-Auburn-ish. you got to go the length of the field. You need a touchdown in two. And they went the length of the field and got the touchdown with 15 seconds left. But then they didn't get the two-point conversion. So Seattle loses again. And this is hard to believe, but the only team in the NFC with a worse record than Seattle right now is the winless Detroit Lions. Seattle is 3-8, and eight, and you're thinking, oh, the Giants are worse than that. No, no they're not. They're 4-7. They're and seven. Well, maybe Philly or Washington is worse than that. No, no, they both got five wins. Nope. The worst team in the NFC is Detroit, and then it's Seattle. And for uh, Washington, well, they get a fifth win, and they inch towards the playoffs. A bunch of teams piled up at 5-6, and six, tied for the last playoff berth in the NFC. All right, DJ and PK, there's Monday Night Football, there's the Jazz win, and Utah State uh, blew out overmatched Carroll College by 30 points. We're going to take a break. That's what happened last night. When we come back, Kyle Whittingham, his press conference, he was asked about retirement rumors, about Britton Covey returning, about Oregon being more fired up for this second game than they were for that first matchup. Kyle Whittingham coming up next, and then the best of the Jazz postgame shows. Stay with us. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Kyle Whittingham meeting with the media, talking about the Pac-12 title game, getting asked about the USC hire with Lincoln Riley. Um, Notre Dame hadn't lost its coach. LSU hadn't poached Notre Dame's coach, Brian Kelly, at that point, so he didn't get asked about that. Uh, Plus, USC's in the Pac-12, so there's that. Uh, All of that coming up. Here's Kyle Whittingham talking Pac-12 championship game and a few other relevant college football topics. Sure. It was great to send our seniors out. On a, with a win uh, in their last game in Rice Eccles. Uh, it was, uh, you know, they went undefeated at home this year, 6-0. and So that was a, uh, a kind of a punctuation mark on a great home season uh, for our guys. Um, didn't play our absolute best on, on Saturday or Friday, but, uh, you know, we had... Uh, 
decent production, 444 yards of offense and 28 points, which is a little below what we've been doing. But but uh, defense was smothering. That was really the, the key to the game was was the way our defense uh, controlled pretty much everything. Uh, couldn't run on them, couldn't throw on them, couldn't score on them. Uh, two field goals is all they gave up. So a lot of positives there. And uh, good good way to end the regular season, even though the game had really no bearing on on what lies ahead. Uh, it's uh, you know you want to compete and play well every single week. So so we got the win. Now we move on to the uh, championship game. Uh, kind of a little different playing the same team twice in 13 day period, but uh, you know that's how it goes. No problem. I mean it's just the way things laid out, and so we got to get uh, get ourselves ready again for a, a very good Oregon and duck team and uh we've got to uh you know have excellent preparation which is the key always every week to to having a chance to win and uh we'll be on the field today for a tuesday type practice we're a day ahead with uh with the friday contest and so uh we'll get on the field and get uh, get back at it today so questions <clears throat> when, when you are in that situation facing the same opponent twice in the 13 day period how, how much adjustment goes into the game plan, if, if any? I mean, what, what do you want to be in the <clears throat> Yeah, that's a good point. Um, no major overhauls, I would say, is probably the, the overall uh, bottom line. But you do tweak some things and make some uh, subtle adjustments here and there. And, and uh, you know, not a lot has changed with either team in eight days. And so that's, you know, that's when we played over nine days ago, whenever it was. But, uh, you know, we just uh, really it's the, the execution, uh, the energy, uh, that type of stuff is more critical than than uh, any minor schematic adjustments that you make. Kyle, it's a different year and different team and personnel. But is there anything that you can draw from 2018 or 2019? Not really. We only have a handful of guys that were in those games. Uh, and so uh, nothing other than we certainly need to play better than we did in those two years. And, and uh, you know, in 19 or 18, rather, we played really good defense. You know, we didn't give up a touchdown. It was a pick six and a field goal that uh, – that did us. I think it was 10-3 was, was the score in that game, and then and then we didn't play particularly well on uh, either side of the ball uh, in 19, and, and uh, got beat uh, pretty soundly. You, in 2018, you did play the same form in Washington. Got the twice, obviously. Mm -hmm. like what? I mean, are you able to kind of use some of that as kind of a blueprint of, of kind of how to prepare for a team twice in the same season? I don't think so. I don't think so. Every year, it's uh, you know. Different, different makeup, different team, uh, different dynamic, and so I would say that uh, there really is no carryover from that. But uh, you know, we've just got to. You know, one thing's for certain is you know we made a bunch of plays in that game against Warren a couple weeks ago that don't mean squat right now. Nobody, you know, they don't care, and and uh, they're not going to have any impact on this game. So we got to go out and and uh, make plays, and that's what it always comes down to is making plays and and. Uh, not one play we made in the last two weeks will count in this game. So we got to go out and make some new ones. Kyle, after last season when you know Devin and Nick and Brandt <clears throat> make their decisions on whether or not to come back, did you get a sense from them that part of that decision-making process was to get back to this point to right now to get yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That was a that factored in, and and uh, with pretty pretty much all those juniors that decided to come back, and uh, or some of them were sophomores uh, because of the COVID year. But but uh, yeah, that was a uh, a 
a uh, one of the elements that uh, helped make their decision, and and I'd say it was fairly significant, you know, for most of them. In the game a few weeks ago, you jumped out to that big early lead. You kind of took them out of their game plan. They like to run the ball and uh-huh. grind it out. Uh, how important is it to jump on road? Well, if they get their usual rush yards, which they did two days ago against Oregon State, they're tough to beat. And so that was one of the keys for us is to is to uh, you know limit the run game. But it's always good to start fast. Although if you don't, you can't you can't let it uh, be a major factor. You just got to fight through the adversity and keep playing. But uh, that's always a, a positive if you can get uh, get an early lead and and uh, play with uh, you know playing with the leads a lot easier than playing from behind. Coach, Cubby previously talked about being prepared for a pissed off Oregon team. How do you prepare your team for an Oregon squad that is likely going to have an emotional factor that wasn't present in the last well, we just got to take care of ourselves. We can't control their mentality, what they're going to come in with. But if we have that same mentality that we had uh, the first time around and that, that same look in their eye and that same determination and that same uh, attitude of not to be denied, and then uh, we got a good chance. And so that's that's our focus is how we approach the game. And, and uh, you know, I'm sure they're going to be uh, in a pretty good mindset as well. I mean, it's a big game. How's your personnel really going into the championship game? Yeah, we don't do that, and uh, I guess other schools must because you you watch TV and they all they do is cry and whine about who they're missing. Everyone's missing guys. I mean, maybe you're supposed to say all that in the production meeting so you can so you can get sympathy or something. But nobody nobody in the country is is playing at full strength right now, and and uh, we won't be either. But uh, you just you, you play with the guys you got, and and it's next man up mentality. Kyle, just to follow up on what said, what did you think of the way uh, Michael Mokopiusi played on Friday? Outstanding. He, you know, for a true freshman, and that you know that is every, in every sense of the word, his first first year in the program, true freshman. He played outstanding. He didn't, wasn't perfect, made a few errors, but uh, he's physical, he's smart, and uh, it was great to see him play at the level he did because he made some, you know, he, he did some really good things. Well, it's obviously a championship game, but what makes this game so difficult to either prepare for or play in? Well, uh, first of all, you're playing the the best of the best. You know, the best team from the north and and uh, the south. What are we one and ten or one and nine over the last? However, since we joined the league, I think only SC has won the won this game for the south. Every every other win is for the north. But but uh, you just got to prepare, uh, just like. Uh, you do all season long. There's nothing special we do this week, although the intensity and the emotion and the you know and all that is is much higher. But uh, as far as the mechanics and and how we go through our preparation and our, our systematic approach, that doesn't change. Uh, what, did, what, what did you see out of Oregon in, in their game against the Steelers last week that was maybe different from what you guys saw? Well, they they ran the football effectively. They got a bunch of yards rushing. The quarterback was outstanding. Uh, 23 of 28, or right in that range for 200 plus yards. Yards, no interceptions. Uh, they didn't turn the ball over, and so they were over 500 yards of offense. They they were on uh, hitting on all cylinders offensively in that game, and and uh, really controlled it throughout. I know Oregon State made a push late and closed the gap, but uh, it was really Oregon pretty much from start to finish. Now, there's no question the uh, atmosphere played a, a role in, in a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It's really a home game, not an away game, a neutral site. Expecting that. Well, we hope so. You know, it's a lot closer to Vegas, a lot closer to Salt Lake than Eugene, Oregon. So we hope we we outnumber them. And I I know there's, uh, you know, the ticket sales, from what I understand, are going really well. And so if we could have a, a slight home field advantage, that would be a big positive.
What did he do to tighten up the kick? Yeah, it was, and we had kick uh, tighten it up, and we had the problems early. You know, those were obvious, and then we got better and better each week, and we were actually really good on Saturday, except for the one that got out the gate. We had him. We had three guys miss tackle, and uh, otherwise he's pinned inside the twenty yard line. But uh, you know, since we didn't make the tackles, you know, we and one of the tackles knocked him outside into a big gap, you know, where there was no coverage, and so um, we have worked long and hard on. It, and that kick was covered very well. We just didn't make the tackle, and so that's that's uh, something that uh, was unfortunate. But we'll, we've we've spent a bunch of time on that all season long, and we'll continue to do that this week. But uh, it showed up again, and even though it was played correctly, the net result was not good. So we've got to continue to work on it. Well, he hasn't said one way or another, but Britton Covey, uh, can you just describe what he's meant to this program? <clears throat> Almost a decade. Yeah, almost a decade. Invaluable. What he's brought to the program is invaluable, um, both on and off the field. Uh, great leader. Uh, has everybody's respect in the building, coaches, players, everybody. Um, his personality is infectious. I mean, his, his positive outlook and his... Uh, just the way he comes to comes in the building every single day is is uplifting, and and uh, the players feed off that. And in practice, nobody works harder. Uh, in games, he's uh, he's electric. He's exciting to watch. So he's he's meant so much to us, and and uh, we're gonna hate to see him go. I guess there's a glimmer of a chance he may come back, but not much. So. I believe he does. I believe he does. Yeah, this is I think his best year, and uh, you know, knock on wood, he's been able to stay healthy all season long, and and uh, really put up some good numbers, particularly in the punt return game. You know, I don't know. We judge punt return by total number of yards amassed, and he's almost doubled the next uh, team in the Pac-12, and I would imagine he's top three in the nation. I haven't looked at that this week, but he's been... He's talked about that. Yeah, he's talked about uh, getting into coaching, and if he decides to go that route, he'll be outstanding, and and we would take him back as in a second as a graduate assistant and, and uh, get him into that uh, role if that's what he chooses to do. Coach, you talked about the home record this season. Just curious with the new south end zone and, and all of that. Did you see and feel the difference with that? Without a doubt, it, it finished off the stadium. Uh, it was the, you know, the the, the finishing. T- well, not the finishing touch, but structurally, with the with the seating, it it uh, it just made it have that big time feel. You know, because before we had those big open ends, and it was, you know, not quite uh, what you want. But but right now, it's awesome. All we need to do now is add a big board on the other end. You know, the, the north end, and, and that'll complete the complete the stadium, which I know is in the works. But uh, we'll see when that happens. Kyle, what's your reaction to uh, Lincoln Riley being a really big name and getting hired? Uh, no reaction really. I mean, uh, he is a big name, obviously, and done very well in Oklahoma and and uh, great offensive coach. But you know, we're so absorbed in what we're doing right now that uh, you know we'll concern ourselves with that later on. But uh, it, uh, it certainly was a splash hire by USC, no doubt. Uh, were you at all surprised or disappointed that Peter Costelli opted to transfer? Uh, disappointed. You know, Peter's a great kid and uh, had not been in the program very long and and uh, would love to have had him stay and, and show what he could do. But uh, he decided that moving on was in his best interest. And, and I guess there's a lot of people in the country. Uh, our guys told me like a thousand guys hit the portal today or something like that. I mean, some the portal's just exploding. There's over 7,000 names in there. And so uh, Peter being one of those. 
close. But, uh, you know, we, we certainly thank him for his time here. He was a hard worker, uh, completely dedicated to the program, just felt that uh, it was in his best interest to move on. So we, we wish him well. Does that speak to the strength of what your QB room is right now? Could be. Yeah, I think that's a part of it. And, and uh, with uh, what we hope to secure recruiting in this class, I think, uh, I think that all factored in. I just say with as much time and energy as you spend recruiting, got so many kids hit the portal. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've only had one so far, I think. Is that right, Jordy? As, as an industry, more than right. But as an industry, does it make anybody rethink how much time they spend in that, or preparing <laughs> for the portal eventually? And you have no I think the latter. You still uh, bust your butt and do everything you can in recruiting to to get the players that you've targeted to get into your program, and and uh, you often spend hundreds of hours, hundreds of hours on on uh, particular kids, and and when they get here. Uh, you know, sometimes they have a quick exit and there's nothing you can do about it. And conversely, there's kids that you can spend hardly any time that almost fall into your lap and end up being great players. And so there's no guarantee, you know, time spent on a player translating to, you know, how good he's going to be or any of that stuff. It's all, it's not an exact science, but uh, you're right. You do oftentimes spend uh, just tons of man hours and time and uh, for a short-lived uh, career. So that's just how it goes, I guess. <laughs> What do I feel about the Sewell family that uh, they're able to produce so many elite football players? What do I feel about them? Uh, what, what is it about the Sewell family? That genetics. <laughs> really good genetics. Yeah, they got, they got uh, outstanding uh, sons, and, and uh, all of them are uh, tremendous players, and, and uh, they're just, uh, you know, genetically engineered for, for great football players. And so they're, uh, they're all good. All the Sewells are very good. Coach, you've been one of the, the top offenses this season. What's been, in your opinion, the biggest factor to that success? Well, I don't know if you can say one thing, but I can tell you a few things. Number one, uh, Cam Rising and the emergence of his play and how he's uh, operated the offense. He's in the uh, still, I think he's number 11, just slipped outside the top 10 in, in uh, QBR in the nation, which uh, means he's doing a great job running the offense. The offensive line has really come together, and uh, we had some huge holes on uh, Friday uh, in the Colorado game due to the offensive line uh, just being efficient and playing well. Uh, the tight end group, we have, I think, the best tight end crew in the country as a group. You know, those three guys are just tremendous and have provided so many big catches. I mean, you saw uh, Keithy and Brandt or, uh, and uh, Dalton on those two touchdown passes, and, and uh, they've been doing that all year long. Uh, then Andy. I think Andy's play calling has been outstanding all year long, and uh, we really figured out who we were about game four. That's when we kind of figured out what, uh, you know, what makes us go, and, and we've just kind of taken off from there. What do you think, Cliff? in game four. Is there something specific? I think all those things I just mentioned, you know, Cam, who had just taken over because he didn't get inserted initially until the end of game three. Offensive line started playing much better, started utilizing the tight ends more, uh, and just executed better overall. Tavion Thomas, the emergence of Tavion Thomas, I shouldn't leave him out because he's obviously been a huge factor for us. Why, why did the O-line get so much better? What did they get better at? Well, just cohesiveness. And first of all, we we uh, 
I don't want to say we waited too late to find the right five guys because there was injuries and it was like a, a revolving door for a while there. But once we settled in with with uh, five or six guys that were the, the guys that were going to do the majority of the get the majority of the reps, they just started to feel more and more comfortable as the weeks ticked by. And and uh, Jim continued to develop those guys. Bam, the emergence of Bam Olaseni, who was not real comfortable early in the year, but now he's playing as good as any left tackle in the conference. And so I think uh, three or four factors uh, went into that. No, I don't know who that was. I've heard a few things from uh, people, and I've, you know, I'm having as good a time right now as I ever have, and so I'm, I'm not even uh, contemplating that right now. Is that something that's changed since week four, also? How much fun you're having? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's no fun to 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 uh, not win games and and have. Uh, you know, in my opinion, we were underachieving, and uh, you know that really gets under your skin. But once we started to have things click, and you could see uh, we're trending in the right direction, that uh, really makes it uh, a lot more enjoyable to come to work every day. All right, there's Kyle Whittingham. When we come back, the best of the Jazz post game show as the Jazz blow out Portland. Stay with us. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz beat the Portland Trail Blazers, and here is the best of the postgame show. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Jazz whoop up on the Blazers last night, 129-107. to 107. Donovan Mitchell had 30 points on 12-20 shooting, 3 of 8 from 3. Rudy Gobert with 21-16. and 16. Uh, 22 points off the bench for Jordan Clarkson. Uh, just an overall very complete, nice effort from the Jazz. Uh, holding the Blazers to 107 points, and Damian Lillard only had 11 on 4 of 12 shooting, 1 of 4 from 3. So Jazz doing a nice job defensively as well. Let's get you some post-game sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. You guys picked it up. On both ends in the second half, the ball started moving more. You started making shots, but defensively, you started getting a lot more stops in the second half. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, out of the gate, I thought we were we were defending pretty well. Um and at one point, you know, our, our bigs weren't up enough and our guards weren't locked. Just a few execution situations on the ball and pick and roll. And then also, you know, guys on the back Recording line. Recording in progress. We just we got a better feel for it as, as the game went on. You know, the way they're playing in pick and roll. I thought our guys were really unselfish and got off the ball um, when they needed to. And then obviously – you know, as you as you spread it out and make some shots, all of a sudden lanes to the basket open up. And, you know, in those situations, the ball doesn't have to move. It just has to get laid in. So I'm good with that, too. Okay, so Donovan's game today, it seemed like he was making a lot more of the right reads. Yeah, you know, I, I think the part of this is, you know, we've got a microscope on, like, everything, every decision Donovan makes throughout the course of the game. And, you know, I think he handles it great. Um, and as I've said before, you know, I just want him to make, make plays. And sometimes that's going to be very obvious what the play should be. And there's other times, um, less so. Um, but I, I think, you know, I thought some of the little things that, that he can do that makes the game easier for him is, you know, just to space and be ready when someone else does get off the ball where, you know, he gets an opportunity to like attack a closeout or take a catch and shoot three. Um, he's done a good job running and transition more when he doesn't have the ball, which also puts him in some of those situations. So um, there's some things that, 
that he's, you know, more conscious of when he doesn't have the ball. And then I think that obviously makes him even more effective when he does have the ball too. And it, you know, it, it can wear you out having the ball every possession, trying to make plays for people. And we've got some other guys that are capable of doing that. And, you know, when he can play off them too, it, it, you know, it makes him even more difficult to guard, but he did a really good job. Lower had 11 points tonight, but you know you talked earlier before the game about not having worries there. But Mike was on him for a lot of the game. Yeah, I think you know in combination, Mike and you know usually there's somebody else involved in the play um, because it's you know it's either pick and roll with Nurkic or a five or, you know, pick and roll with a small and a five. So, you know, us being able to execute, you know, in that situation, particularly with, you know, Mike and Rudy, um, that was one of the, you know, the area I thought Simon's got some, some clean looks there in, in the third quarter. Um, they all did really. I thought that was the one time where we kind of let up a little bit and um, particularly when a team's down, they're going to shoot those shots with, you know, a lot of confidence, but, you know, by and large, you know, Mike, Mike had another one of those games where um, he's going to get a call one of these days. I keep saying he's never got a technical foul. So he's like the one guy in the league. If he says something to you, you can believe him. So is Joe's presence in the starting lineup helping with the spacing in the ball? Um, I think Joe's presence in the game is what's important. You know, I mean, Joe has, whether it's the 10 minute mark or the three minute mark uh, or the end of the game, um, the way that Joe's been playing has been really good. You know, he's just got a good feel. And particularly when teams are blitzing us with his size, you know, he's able to make an initial pass and then he's got a good feel for, you know, when to get off it and when to attack. And the other thing he's been doing, um, he's been using ball fakes. So it's hard to know where he's going to go. Um, but I would hope that his presence in the starting lineup, you know, I can't start seven, eight. I'd love to start nine guys with our team. Maybe that would be the answer and we'd, you know, beat everybody, but that's not the way it is. So um, that's, you know, for this group, that's the unique thing, you know, is just figuring out um, how to connect and play together regardless um, of whether you're starting, finishing, coming in at the seven-minute mark, the four-minute mark, you know, and we, we've got to have all those different lineups function, and they all function a little differently. Um, you know, so in Joe's case, um, you know, tonight especially because of, you know, who we were playing and the way we played, you know, he was terrific. When you have space on like the weird, it looked like the spacing, particularly tonight, was just really good. Yeah, I, I, again, I think sometimes the way a team plays you um, helps you space. You know, I think that that's the case with Toronto. They're helping so much in the lane that you have to be and you have to get off the ball early. And if you don't, you turn it over. Um, and this was one of those games where guys are spread out higher so that there's an angle um, on the pass. And, you know, that's something that we've got to, there's a difference between, you know, that, that, that's, that matters. And that attention to detail for our group is really important. And I, I think where it shows up is, you know, we'll take Joe, for example, how many times he just caught it and shot it. You know, Rudy Gay had the same thing. You know, those guys, Boyan, um, if they're doing that, it usually means they've thought enough 
to space properly. They've got a little more room to take the shot. And because they've thought to space, they're, they're ready to make a play. And Rudy Gay to me was a great example. You know, I thought his threes were, were great looks. And then he also had two times where he caught it and made a quick decision and ripped it and, you know, got fouled once and then got to the rim once. So um, that's what we want to see. There you go. That's Jazz Coach Quinn Snyder. His team wins 129-107. Let's move on to the players. Let's start things off with Rudy Gobert. I'm just trying to make his life a little harder. Uh, you know, try to force him into uh, uh, drives, you know, and, and driving to me pretty much. And uh, make sure we don't give up, you know, easy threes. And uh, we we also try to keep him off the free throw line. And uh, Mike did an amazing job. Uh, we did a great job as a team overall. There are games where, like the Pelicans, where you get three shots, four shots, and then there are games like this where they're blitzing and you're open in the eight. How do you deal with that and kind of like, you know, kind of dealing with just the ups and the downs of the number of shots they're going to get for season based on how they're going to play? Um, I mean, I, I think as long as we play the right way, you know, uh, I don't really care how many shots I get. You know, if we if we if we attack where where it hurts and we make the right read, you know, we're gonna get a, either me under the rim or, or, or wide open trees. Um, you know, so it's 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 all about the way we play, and uh, and of course, you know, it's it's uh, like it's, like three shots is not a lot. Hopefully, it doesn't happen again, but some games it might happen. As long as we move the ball and we share the ball, you know, uh, it doesn't really matter who gets the shots. You guys are, you know, pretty much containing Dame, CJ, and you're doing a good job. But you've got that got a guy like Anthony Simons who starts to kind of gain confidence. What what kind of needs to change to make sure that he doesn't keep? I think the next level for us is to. not you know we we when we know the guy is already I mean he's a renowned player Dame CJ you know, number two uh, great scores on the team so we our focus was great but we have to uh, respect the other guys too and Simon's is a really good player he can score he can get going and uh, he did tonight and he almost brought them back in this game so I think we just be able to be consistent and no matter who is in front of us uh, you know uh, be able to get physical and and, and you know, try to uh, make their life hard, and if we're able to do that, uh, probably win by thirty tonight. You know, so it's I think it's a mental thing, and uh, we still got a lot of room to grow uh, defensively. What did you break tonight? It was great. You know, uh, I, I thought it was really good defensively. Uh, you know, um, and offensively, he, just being Joe. You know, making the right play, uh, knocking down shots. Uh, one left hand layup. Uh, just being Joe, you know, and he, he's when he plays that way and he, he takes his shots, you know, it's uh, it's huge for us. When was talking about how you can tell like things are going well when there's instantaneous decision making, the guys are making quick decisions. You know, Joe's doing catch and shoot threes, or uh, Joe doing catch and shoot threes, or driving right to. Um, are you I seeing more? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> are you seeing more of that lately? Um, yeah, you know, and that's you know when we lost against the Pelicans, that's the one thing that was sticking out. You know, is that we we have so much weapons on this team that we can uh, let any defensive scheme take away our ball movement and 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 us reading and making the right decisions. And you know, we tonight we saw Bigs being up on the blitz. Uh, you know, 
the next tomorrow might be somebody switching or they might have the big back like, like New Orleans. No matter what it is, we, we know how to counter that. We just have to keep trusting one another and and uh, keep moving the ball and good things happen. When it comes to lobs, what are your favorite ones to catch? Like, do you like when they're tough that you have to go up and get one hand? I like a little challenge sometimes, yeah. You know, when, when they throw it, I have to reach back. Um, I'm just happy to, to get a lot, you know, no matter where it is, I'm just trying to get it. And and most of the times uh, I get it. Who throws the worst lot? Um, Rudy Gayet. Ocho, Ocho. <laughs> He's working on it. We're working on it. There's Rudy Gobert. Wow, Rudy was great defensively, of course, as usual, but offensively, 21 points as well, 16 rebounds, three assists, a steal, and a block for Rudy. Let's now hear for Joe Ingles. Do you feel like you play better in the starting lineup as opposed to coming off the bench? Is there a difference? I do not care. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't Like, you guys could probably dive into some stats and tell me something more than I know. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't even really have that much of an answer for you, to be honest. Um, obviously, I started for a long time, oh, a, a few years here. Um, the first year that I ended up coming off the bench was three seasons ago, I think it was, and then ended up starting anyway because of whoever was injured that year. Mike might have been out a bunch, whoever it was. Um, so I was used to starting more. Um, obviously, I don't care whether I start or not. Um, when I was first coming off the bench, trying to find that adjustment of like where I can be aggressive, who I'm playing with, obviously minutes are different, all of that. Um do I enjoy starting? Like, yeah, it's fun. It doesn't, but do I also enjoy coming off the bench with JC and jacking a bunch of threes and playing with him as well? Like it's so two different styles. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't really have an answer. Um, I don't know what the statistical correct answer is, um, but I enjoy my role um, every night almost of doing kind of something different. Uh, I think, Obviously, I know if one of the four guards is out, I'm going to start. Um, like, well, usually. Um, if coach changed that, that's fine too. Um, but if I come off the bench, I obviously just got to figure out a way to, to be aggressive and stay engaged. And um, like I said, that first time doing it was tough. Um, just trying to figure it out, not tough because I didn't want to do it. Um, I'm probably talking way too much about it because I don't have an answer. So I'm just trying to, I'm trying to make something up as I go. But... The real honest is I don't care. Um, obviously, I've just got to figure out how to be as aggressive and effective and um, all of that, whether I am starting or coming off the bench. You mentioned it's a different challenge for you night after night, right? Like yeah. against the Pelicans, you're kind of battling on switches against JV. Tonight, you're guarding Dame for a long bit, right? Like, so how do you keep up with that mentally? And then kind of like, I guess, let me ask you, which is more tiring? Yeah, both in different – that one possession with Dame, you, I sued me like eight times in a possession and it's obviously different trying to stay in front of someone like that, of, of a, that high caliber player compared to trying to wrestle with a Lithuanian, I don't know what you guys enter, enter word at own fear of, of him. Um, he's got like 30 points right now. Um, but yeah, obviously 
kind of just the, the same thing, just trying to figure out if it is that, then I've got to figure out how to get him off the, the boards. And if it's Dane, then obviously figuring out the best way to stay in front of him, contest his shots and, and make it tough. So um, both just as tiring, not as tiring as three kids are. I'll give you that. It's easy to say you're playing well when you're making shots, but what, what, what do you feel like you're doing when you're playing your best? Um, creating for my teammates, getting them involved. Um, I think regardless of what I shoot or defend or whatever, I think my best attribute or whatever is to, to get my teammates involved. Obviously I know I can, I've always been, I don't like, I don't know why you would blitz me because I'm a pass first guy anyway. Like I couldn't think of anything better than to pass the ball, <laughs> um, especially to Rudy to keep him happy. So um, yeah, it, I think for me, it's, yeah, uh, the enjoyment for me, obviously, is, is playing the game in front of 20,000 people, but then getting JC the ball where he wants it, helping Don out so it's not so tough on him or, or Mike or getting rooted the ball so he's not pointing up every possession to get an alley Um And I think that's where I can be really good. Um, and then obviously shooting the ball, defending, um, doing those things. But, but I think obviously for me, the, the most enjoyment and the, the best thing I can do is is those little things to, to help those other guys. Is there a mental element as a player where you... You got to crack your head when you stand up too, so much Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would not be surprised. <laughs> when, you're, when you've got like a scouting report and it's got guys like Dan and CJ on it, you obviously put a lot of attention focus on there. Yeah. Is there a mental element to kind of relaxing on a guy like Anthony Simons? Um... Not necessarily with, I mean, obviously we knew him coming off the bench is almost like not JC because JC is on a, in a different world and in my personal opinion. Um, but obviously he comes off the bench for them, is aggressive, can score like he did. Um, usually they, obviously they start together, those two, and then one of them goes out and Simons comes in and then those two are playing together. So you've always got two really good guards out there. Um, obviously for us was trying to control those two um, first and foremost, Dame kind of first and foremost and CJ, like the smallest little, yeah, one, a one, a B one, a one B. Um, and then you've just got to obviously like know what Tony Snell obviously starts tonight. He, I don't know if he started many games, but shoots at a high level. So it's just like knowing who, who you can close out to who not. Um, and I think we, we did a pretty good job tonight of, of making it tough for CJ and Dame. And then, making Nurk battle down there a little bit with, with Rudy and trying to help him and then kind of letting those other guys make plays. Obviously some of them made some shots and stuff. Um, they made that little run, but I think overall we were, we were pretty good with the, the plan, the game plan. When it comes to them blitzing that pick and roll, what's kind of the process of finding Rudy in the paint? Um, I mean, for me, I think it's like the easiest coverage to, to be out. If, if obviously we've got an unselfish team, which helps as well. Um, Sometimes you can find him yourself. I think I got him on the first one. Um, the hedge wasn't super aggressive, um, which I don't know if that was the plan or not, obviously, but usually just being able to get off it to the, one of those first passes, the closest two guys to you. And, and then it's really up to them to hit Rudy, skip it or swing to the guy right next to him. And, and that's just reading obviously that third, the last line of defense, whether 
I think it was like Dame a lot of the time as well. Like you, you put those guys down there and have to make them make a decision on, do you want to give up a dunk to Rudy or a three to Boyan? Um, so I think we did a good job with our, our spacing. Once we worked out those first couple of possessions, what they were doing um, with the hedge and that, um, we, we were we were able to get the, the floor space. I think like I said, they made that one little run in the third, end of the third or start of the fourth, whatever it was. Um, but a pretty good job to obviously kind of overcome again with those two guys to, to, to do what we did defensively with them was 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 impressive. When was talking about the importance of quick decision making in this offense, what are kind of the keys as to whether that happens or not? Um, I think it's for us, the, the players, to be decisive with what we're doing. Like whether when I, if you play that in the hedge and I throw it to Rudy Gay, he's either shooting it, passing it, or driving it. Like it's we've we've had an emphasis on oh, for years now on making like point five decisions. You've probably heard coach talk about it and stuff. And I think this year we've been up and down with that. Um, I think tonight was was probably the best. It's also makes it easier when they're playing the way they're playing because you kick it up and it's really on that guy to just make a decision. And um, again, obviously we've got unselfish guys, so it's not about one guy trying to get points or rebounds or assists or, or whatever it is. And, and when we play like we did tonight and move the ball, we had had a few of those possessions that we usually see on uh, whatever Instagram page it is talking about jazz basketball and we're moving the ball and, and then obviously someone's um, usually making a shot at the end of it. So just making a quick decision, being good with that. Like if you want to shoot it, shoot it. If you want to pass it, pass it. But just making a, a, a confident read on, on what you want to do. That's Joe Ingles. He was in the starting lineup once again. Joe finished 14.6 assists, a couple of boards uh, as well, filling in for uh, in the starting lineup for Royce O'Neal. All right, let's uh, wrap up the player sound with Donovan Mitchell. I'm wondering if there's sort of like a, a mental battle that has to happen when you've got a you know, scouting report with guys like Dave and CJ and a lot of folks in the back. Kind of like Anthony Simon comes in. Obviously, you know, you got a guard, but is there a little bit of like relaxation that you have to battle against? Um, no, you know, I think, well, for me personally, I, I, I think I, not so much. I've known Anthony since Trevor and I could hoop. We all do. You know, we, we pay, we have a, uh, Respect for everybody it doesn't matter, you know what it is. You know, it's you know when a guy like Dame and CJ require a lot of attention, it's it's natural for guys to kind of capitalize on that. But he's been doing this all year. He's been his career really. That's kind of it. He's elevated it each year. Um, we we he got to the spots and we didn't necessarily guard it the right way the whole game. We did it in spurts and he capitalized. And he's a talented player. He's he's a guy that's he gets paid, you know, doing this because he's 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 worked. You know, I saw him. High school, no college, and then now he's doing this thing, especially when people didn't really necessarily believe that he could perform at this level. Um, and he's, he's showing and proving them wrong. So I'm happy for him. But, you know, as a group, as a team, stuff like that happens. You know, other guys get going, but we were able to, you know, lock in on the, the, the two main ones and, you know, kind of keep them quiet. I just have to think yeah, the same thing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's the same thing as, as Terrence Mann, but I think, you know, with, with Anthony, he's, he's a hooper, man. Everybody, at the end of the day, we're all in the NBA, you know, at the end of the day. But, you know, just, you know, he, he, he had a good night, you know, but we were able to do what we were doing, lock in and, you know, get stops we needed and able to push and then get up the floor. But, you know, got to give credit where credit's due uh, as well. 
your skills are lined up this year? Like, just being active, you know, locked in defensively. That's it. You know, um, being in the right places, being ready to switch, being understanding the game plan, understanding what guys going to be. Um, it goes back to the film work I was telling you about a few weeks ago or whatever, like understanding, you know, where guys like to be, the tendencies, and then you're able to, you know, pr- kind of predict and be in the right spots for those situations. And then choosing my length and then being active. The old Rick Pitino press taught me that. Um, and it's paying dividends right now. It's not a commentary on either guy, but because obviously both Joe and Royce have a different, you know, strengths. How is the lineup different? Joe's and their starting uh, Joe's ball, you know, so being able to kind of get off it, you know, it's definitely different. Royce provides a, a huge spark, you know, as far as the defensive prowess, we all know that. But offensively, our plays are different, our reads are different when it's Royce, our reads are different. We're not to say they're good or worse, you know, I think they're 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 special in their own right, you know. But you know, when Joe's in, Joe's able to bring the floor up, bring the ball up, kind of he initiated a lot of the attacks tonight, you know, early. You know, he had Rudy on a bunch of passes, which helps. He's six six. He sees a lot of different things that myself and Mike don't see because we're only six three. So um it gives a different perspective in that starting lineup. But you know, when Royce gets back, he'll be back at it. We'll keep doing what we're doing. That's your reads and quick decision making, your spacing today. Getting better, you know. I think tonight was pretty good, you know. I just got to continue to do it consistently. Um, that's really it. Um, just making the game easy on myself. Um, the ball starting to go in on, on some of the shots that I've been missing. Um, that that's that helps for sure. But you know, just being able to be ready, be in the stands, be locked in every possession. Um, that's it's been good. Royce is obviously such a good rebounder, and I'm curious, kind of like you guys put Sorry, it, Royce's. Yeah. Um, you guys put an extra focus on kind of helping uh, on their big man down low when he's gone against both JV and Nurk, who had good offensive rebounding or defensive rebounding. Yeah, we all get a collective effort. You know, it's kind of going back to that, what I said a few years ago, we used to say a few years ago, it's like next band up. You know, when you lose a guy who's on the boards, who's fighting down low, we got to all get in there and crash and do our thing. So, um, with him out, especially, we put a lot more in, in focus on it, um, especially with myself and Mike down there, Joe, Boy, we're all getting in there. And also, it allows us to kind of push the break, you know, start to break ourselves when we get those rebounds. This isn't about tonight's game, but Rudy mentioned that you are the one that care the most about his shoes. How do you go about choosing your shoes for each game? Um, honestly, it's whatever I really am feeling. You know, tonight, you know, I, I had just got the shoes I got tonight. I had got probably like six hours, like probably like six, eight hours before the game. I hadn't worn, it was the first time I wore a night. You know, some nights I do that. Sometimes I don't like the feel. It's really just sporadic and spontaneous. You know, last year I used to change shoes a lot at halftime. Um, I'm really, you know, I can't do the same thing with my, when I choose what I walk in the arena with. Like, I don't say, all right, tomorrow I'm going to wear this. I kind of just wake up 30 minutes before I'm ready to leave the house and say, it's going to be that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's kind of how I do my shoes. It's like, I'll go out there, wear a pair and, if I like how I feel in them, if I make some shots, and I'm superstitious, so it's like, you know, I'm all about that. So that's really where, where it comes from. Um, I know Jordan changed your, you know, from your shoes into another pair during that Atlanta game. Yeah. That kind of hurt your feelings a little bit? I was like, bro, it hurt in the sales. What are you doing? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nah, um, I'm just appreciative that he's wearing them. You know, I appreciate all the guys that wear my stuff and, you know, everybody that wears my shoes. I'm very appreciative. And, you know, he's been a Nike guy his whole life. I, the fact that he even put those on, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm just appreciative of that and just being able to help promote my stuff. I think it's just the love for that. I, I'm, I'm appreciative. We saw a ton of development on Trent's 
like long range things. Um, but in the relief minutes that he's got for Mike and Joe, it seems like he's getting a little bit quicker on his first step. Yeah. Have you seen that in practice and how have you seen it? I think what we're starting to see is the trend from last year. You know, you look at how he played last year when myself and Mike were down, like aggressive decision making. I told him, I said, <clears throat> especially in the lineup when it's me and him, like teams are going to think that I'm going to want the ball. So you're going to have opportunities to attack, to be aggressive. You know, he's so selfless. He's looking to make, make, make plays. But what he's starting to see again is like him attacking is helping. Is helping. Like he thinks like, you know, I don't want to hold the ball too long. And he's, he's progressed very well. Defensively, he's picking up full court. He's doing so many good things. I'm like, bro, go ahead and score. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's fine, you know, to be, be yourself, you know, because when you start to think too much, that's when the turnovers and the mistakes come in. And it's tough for a young guy, you know, coming in, he wants to play perfect every possession. Um, and he's doing a good job of handling it, doing a good job of coming in and being able to run the offense, initiate, and then it helps when you know the plays. You know, he's locked in knowing all all the things that he has to do. And, you know, I'm, I, you saw tonight he's had the half spin to the reverse lab. We got foul floaters, like stuff like that. Like that's what he's been able to do. Even since last year when we were out, now he's being more comfortable and, and being able to do that as well as pick up uh, defensively full court. There's Donovan Mitchell. Big time performance from Donovan. 30 points, 5 assists, a couple of rebounds, 4 steals for Donovan. Doing a nice job on defense as well. Jazz win 129-107 over the Blazers. Up next, the Utah Jazz will take on the Boston Celtics at Vivint Arena coming up Friday night. That game will tip off at 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage will begin at 6. There's the best of the post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines next. Salt Lake City. KZNS FM Colvin. 97-5-1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. In the clock. Clarkson checks the clock, prances out to the far side, fires the three and hits it. Oh my goodness. Donovan, here we go. Right hand, cock and hammer. Offensive rebound, Gobert. No look out to Clarkson. Left side three. Pow! Lillard driving at the rim, rejected by Gobert. Offensive rebound, Nurkic back up. And he misses, gets it back and puts it in. And Gobert, so excited about the block shot he had on Lillard, punched the basketball standard three times and then didn't get back into the play. The Utah Jazz roll past the Portland Trailblazers 129-107. One of the worst defensive teams in the NBA. The Blazers could not slow the Jazz down. Donovan Mitchell goes for 30. Rudy Gobert had 21 points and 16 rebounds. Clarkson gave him 22 off the bench. That second half, the Jazz just kept scoring and scoring and scoring, PK. Yeah, I don't think anybody slows them down. I think they miss shots. They cannot be slowed down? No. No, I, I, they slow themselves down with no ball movement or uh, just missing shots. But when they're going, particularly with Joe in the starting lineup, and he belongs in the starting lineup, I know the guy's a genius over there on the sidelines, but it seems like Joe plays a lot better when he starts. 76 second-half points for the Utah Jazz. An enormous number. And Joe will go back to the bench when Royce O'Neal returns to the lineup. Yeah, and he I, will I, get the stats because right. he'll be watching Jordan Clarkson dribble and shoot. Yeah. I mean, I get Portland's defense isn't any good, but, you know, when you look at it, you have to be realistic. Kevin Dubberg is not walking through that door. Nice. Go ahead. 
Great Blazers, hit it. You said Great Blazers. Average Blazers, go ahead, hit it. <laughs> Jerome Kersey ain't walking through that door. Your turn. So my wife had a significant birthday a few several years ago, and her birthday's in June, and we went to Palm Springs. There's a Marriott down there where they filmed Saved by the Bell episodes. Saved by the Bell, coming back, which only proved its greatness. You were so wrong. You might as well hit on the state taxes if you want to be something that you're not quite as wrong on. Get back and, to Palm Springs. Uh, and... The hotel was just covered, I mean, hundreds, if not a thousand, young gals, and it was some sorority convention. Mm-hmm. And there was like two males there, me and Jerome Kersey. <laughs> <laughs> and he's in the pool frolicking with them. <laughs> Your your brushes with celebrity are awesome. And it took, I, I got I know who that guy is. I know who that guy is. I know who that guy is. It took me a little bit, not long, but a little bit. That's Jerome Kersey. It's hard to place people when they're out of yeah out of the realm. You expect but I clearly knew who. Yeah, you, I, I, I know knew that the guy. face. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then I, I figured it out. <laughs> well, the Jazz are off now for a few days. They will be back at it on Friday, facing the Boston Celtics. Friday night at seven. Celtics got off to a terrible start, but have got themselves over 500. Not where they expect to be or hope to be, but playing a little better. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Well, the Pelicans just beat the Jazz on Friday. Last night, they beat the Clippers 123-104. to The Pelicans are picking it up, PK. And the Clippers are one of many teams in the West that are just kind of... Uh, Bouncing around 500. Yeah, bouncing around 500, exactly. Pelicans have now won three out of four. So for them, that's That's a nice little Somebody tell me, and I don't understand this, and maybe it's salary, and I don't have this astute basketball mind like you do, Uh, but why did Memphis trade Valanciunas for Adams? I didn't understand that move. I didn't either, to be honest. I thought it was a money. I mean, he just move. had a massive game, yeah. thirty-nine and fifteen, and he had, I think, what six or seven assists, something like that. It just, it just didn't make any sense to me. Dallas Mavericks lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers, one fourteen to ninety-six. Another team bouncing around five hundred. The Mavericks are ten and nine. The Clippers are eleven and ten. So, really mediocre. And those are the fourth and fifth place teams. The Jazz separating from them a little bit. Jazz are three games in front of those teams. Jazz also three and a half games behind the Suns. So, sitting in third place, not that close to second, not that close to fourth. Well, tomorrow may rain, so all Jazz will follow the Suns. Denver Nuggets, another team at 500. They beat the Heat 120 to 111. Jokic, 24 points, 15 rebounds, 7 assists. Oh, yeah. What's his face? Uh, the brother, the Morris guy, and Jimmy Butler, the tough guy. He didn't play. And the Jokic brothers Brother showed up, up right behind. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're here. <laughs> we're here. And Twitter was there. Where are you at? Where are you Twitter at, Twitter was there for every second of that. The Jokic brothers are here. Laughing cried emoji. Yeah, they showed up. I mean, they're mean-looking SOBs. you got to give it to them, man. Yeah, I don't think I want to mess with those guys. The other guys were nowhere to be found. I'm out. Good night, everybody. 
Another team that's uh, got a rep and high expectations, but uh, it's had a ton of turmoil. The Philadelphia 76ers are also bouncing around 500. They're 11 and 10. They beat the Magic 101 to 96. This is what Pete Rozelle desired of the NBA. <laughs> On any given night? Yeah. Is, what do they call it, parody? Yep. That is what they call it. Michael Porter Jr. undergoing a surgical procedure on his lower back today, as his agent announcing that. And so he had surgery. Uh, he'd been hoping to avoid it. He's had back surgery twice. He's going to have it again. So shutting him down, and the Nuggets will do whatever they can do this year and try to get ready for next year. Wow, I mean, it's clear where they're just setting themselves up to, to draft Justin Bean Bryant. There it is. Alec Burks, former jazz guy. Now a starter for the Knicks, Kemba Walker, out of the lineup to the bench. Tom Thibodeau moving Alec Burks into the starting five. Orlando Magic rookie Jalen Suggs is out for an extended period, fractured his thumb, and he'll be reevaluated after he returns to Orlando. So, DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Utah State blowing out Carroll College 93-63. One of the non-conference games you can do without, PK. One of the non-conference games I could do without. Scheduled victory. Actually, you know... Aggies get the victory. Virtually any game and every game I can do without. You can do without? Yeah. You don't really need them? No. Tonight, Dixie State hosts Bethesda in St. George, 7 o'clock. Duke takes over the number one spot in the top 25 after beating Gonzaga. Gonzaga falls to number three. And the BYU men are 12, and a women's team is into the rankings at 21. Juddie's team's undefeated. Uh, that's Kamard's team. It is. Like, come Kamard. on, get, put some respect Jetty on Lee Kamard. Chad, was, was out the last couple of games. <laughs> DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Notre Dame head coach Brian Kelly expected to be introduced as LSU's new head coach. A $100 million package. Official word actually just came on that. It ten. is official now. Yeah, it's official. LSU. Years, 95. Ripping off the Irish right after USC rips off Oklahoma. Yeah, I am so glad that my granddaddy didn't take me to games. <laughs> Why? Because it's so bogus. College football in particular and even linking into basketball. It's, it's just nonsense, man. These fans get so worked up about it. And they want to win. And they just, last year, people were getting laid off last couple years because of the the issues of the finances. And they had to take massive Furloughs and pay cuts and laughs, yeah. And it lasted a day, metaphorically speaking. And now these guys, yeah, you've got to give me everything you've got. And they don't, Notre Dame is, is sixth, conceivably could be in the playoff. And Kelly's no, walking. I'm gone. And if there's upsets, yeah. they're not going to have a coach for the playoff. Most likely, yeah. And Cincinnati, would he fickle go to Notre Dame? I don't know. And just, and, it, and you got these kids, like this Costelli kid. He gives up his last year of his senior year in high school. You'll never get that back. To come up here and, yeah, we love you, we love you. Well, you're not even going to dress. And then he's out. If this isn't the most ridiculous things that happen in this sport, I don't know what does. It's just This is the seedy side. That just turns me off. And then these guys, yeah, you're you're whatever. You know, you're a Ute, you're a Cougar, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, until you get the next best, better offer. And, and then you're gone. Or they fire you. And Two years after the end, after you uh, win yeah. the playoff. Yeah, it just, 
Thankfully, my father had to work Saturday nights in his second job, and, and my granddaddy didn't take me to the game, so... You didn't get hooked into any fandom. My little heart can't be broken on college football. And I'm and at times like this, I'm glad, because it's a bunch of crap. Brian Kelly leaves Notre Dame. Uh, Fresno State's coach, Kalen DeBar, is going to Washington. And Lincoln Riley says his first conversation with USC was early Sunday morning. Although there, people believe the first contact was back in September. Well, what, is it, what difference does it make? He was going behind Oklahoma's back. He's not loyal. No, none of them are. I know. And nor is there the any loyalty point. to them. It's none all, equals everyone. Yeah, hired, hired guns. Mercenaries. Jim Harbaugh did say he'd donate any bonus money earned from his current contract to University of Michigan Athletic Department employees who had their pay reduced due to COVID-19 yeah, I'm going to be a Michigan fan now because they've got Howard and basketball and Harbaugh, the two H's, and they both played there. So they're Wolverines. At least there's something there. The rest of you is you're all just hired guns and the fans get so, he's our guy. Majerus was our guy. Yeah, until he made up a story and had to leave, and then he coached the other place, and he's your guy. Nobody's your guy. Made up three stories in one year. (laughs) Another press conference to announce why Rick isn't coaching. And He's your guy, and you're so loyal to him, and he's loyal back to you, and he can do no wrong. Oh, my gosh. Just win, and that's all that matters. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Washington beats Seattle 17-15. A, a weird game. Seattle, not much offense in this game, but they drove the length of the field against the clock and scored with 15 seconds left, needed a two to tie. So they went 99 yards? I think they went 97 yards. That's not the length of the field? Yeah, it's close enough. <laughs> Bizarro game also had a blocked extra point, scooped up and returned for two the other way, which ended up being a big deal in a two-point game. Kept the draw. How did they randomly assign two points on that? I think it's because offensively, any conversion that you go to go for, you know, run across the goal line or throw across, they give you two points for that. So I assume they give the defense two because they run it across the line. Okay, then not heard that when explained, you block so. a field goal, why do you get six? You run it across the line because that's and a live going ball for three. And a touchdown. It's yeah, but they're going for play. three. It's a live ball when you kick it. Why it's is it only con- three? Not a conversion play. <laughs> <laughs> just randomly assign numbers. Seattle picked up those two points, which tied the game at halftime and kept them in the game late, but ultimately didn't matter. As Washington gets the win, five and six is tied for the last playoff berth in the uh, in the NFL. This is what Pete Rozelle wanted. No, I think it was Peter Uberoff wanted that. Seattle three and eight, the only team in the NFC with a worse record than Seattle is Detroit right now. Detroit hasn't won a game yet. Got a tie, but they don't have a win. Hard to believe the Seattle has fallen that far that fast, but there they are. Bottoming out. Dalvin Cook dislocated shoulder and lost to the 49ers. The Vikings will miss him for at least the next two games. Christian McCaffrey will miss the rest of the season with a left ankle injury suffered Sunday and the Panthers lost to Miami. Aaron Rodgers has decided not to have surgery on his pinky toe while the franchise is on a bye. He's got a Frank. Oh, wait, wait. Frank it's little fractured. toe. It's not your pinky toe. 
That doesn't make any sense. Your pinky is your pinky. It's your little toe. Pinky toe. No, it's not your pinky toe. Fred Warner. Stop that. Debo Samuel injured in the Niners game, and they're going to be out for at least a week. And the NFL suspended the Cowboys' Tristan Hill for two games for punching the Raiders' John Simpson following the Thanksgiving Day loss to the Raiders. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Well, we may be on the verge of a lockout. Who knows how long it'll go. But right now, the money's flowing freely. Max Scherzer, three years, $130 million to leave the Dodgers. He's going to the Mets. Back to the NL East. Used to pitch for Washington. And the Diamondbacks in Detroit, if you must know. Dodgers' Corey Seager, 10 years, $325 million to go to the Texas Rangers. Yeah, Dodgers losing Scherzer and Seager. Couldn't pay all those guys forever? I've heard of the three S's, but that's the two S's. Mariners, five years, $115 million for Robbie Ray. Bring him back to Seattle from the Toronto Blue Jays. Not back, also a former Diamondback. Yeah. Reigning AL Cy Young winner. Kevin Gosman, five years, $110 million to pitch for the Blue Jays. Not a former Diamondback, but a former Giant. Did you get Marcus Simeon in there? Seven years? Simeon. Seven years, $175 million. Where? He's one of the Rangers. The as well. Rangers, indeed, spending tons of money remaking their infield. $100 million. Their middle infield. I assume he's going to play second. Maybe he'd pay third. I don't know. Or maybe they move Seeger. I'm not sure. But uh, both those guys. Seeger was hurt most of the season. Simeon, man, from Oakland to Toronto in his free agent year. And wow, he put up a massive season. It's about $850 million worth of baseball headlines right there. Major League Baseball's expanded playoff proposal, part of a new collective bargaining agreement between owners and players, includes the ability for division winners to choose their wild card opponent. Format would call for 14 teams, seven from each league to make the playoffs. That's four more than currently play in the postseason. I think they should have a committee to just seed them. Go college football? Yeah, just get some, like, Dale Murphy. Somebody who follows the game. I mean, it's obvious. It's obvious how they should be seated. It's not like it's that controversial. But you want to avoid the Giants and the Dodgers at 100 and 213 wins playing in a one-game playoff when there's no need to. It, it This is a dying sport. It's like, you know, 15 sports behind soccer. and But when I was a kid, I went to Little League Field, and it wasn't money involved, but I just made a conscious decision. I'm going to love this sport. Cool. <laughs> and... This How'd that work out for you? Great. Awesome. Good decision by you. Yeah, yeah. Solid decision early in life. Yeah. I wanted to be outside. And so it's a dying sport. The average fan is like 114 years old. So you want to do everything you can to put your best foot forward. And that would do it. Call me up. I can do it. It's. I mean, it's obvious the way it should, the way it should be. And when you get down to like... You know, four or five, it doesn't really matter anyway. They'll be left. They'll just have to play each other. The other teams will have made their selections. Yeah, so so you set basically you set up the second round. The first round, you're avoiding some titanic matchup. Mm-hmm. But in in the second round, if they're playing best of five, best of seven, well, okay, so be it. Even if they if they're two the two powers, I mean it's not nearly as egregious as having it in the one game deal. 
just because you happen to be in the same division. Who cares? What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Look on social media here in a bit because Tiger right now, literally as we speak, is having a press conference. Speaking for the first time since his February car accident. Correct. He said he's going to golf again, but never at the highest level. He's not going to be able to get there. It's not realistic. I, I don't body. know if he said that. I think maybe consistently. Maybe he can do it occasionally. I mean, he released that thing, was it a week or two ago, of him hitting balls? Yeah. yeah. Making progress was the caption on yeah. it. Yeah. It would be the ultimate comeback. All comeback awards in every sport would be named the Tiger Woods Award then at that point. If he wins a singular <laughs> tournament, if he wins a major, oh my gosh. And I would, I don't know how you wouldn't pull for the guy. It would be incredible. There was a point in time, I wouldn't say it was 50-50, but it was damn near that, that if I was going to walk out of the hospital, it'd be with one leg. Yeah, well, I can buy it. He was really worried about losing his leg. He says, I, I think something that is realistic is playing the tour one day. Never full-time again. But right, right, right. Pick and choose That's just like Mr. Hogan did. Right. Pick and choose a few events a year, and you play around that. You practice around that, and you gear yourself up for that. I think that's how I'm going to have to play it from now on. It's an unfortunate reality, but it's my reality, and I understand it, and I accept it. Well, yeah, he's lucky to be alive. I've seen, I've driven that curve where he crashed, and and to see that thing, to how it tumbled over, uh, wow, to be able to be where he is right now. And you, I mean, you look at him as standing, sitting at a podium with a microphone in front of his face, and you wouldn't have any idea. Now you can't see the little portion of his body, but you wouldn't have any idea that just uh, earlier this year that he damn near lost his leg, as he said, and, and, and his life, for that matter. Well, right now he looks animated. It looks like a Tiger Woods press conference. Right, that's what I'm saying, yeah. But like you said, they're shooting him from the uh He's sitting down, chest the up, tr- right, yeah. traditional press conference view when he's at the uh, sitting down and doing his thing, and he's smiling. Looks... DJ and PK, we got Frank Dolce, Utes analyst, insider for the Zone Sports Network, coming up at 8 o'clock. Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver, is coming up at 9 o'clock right here on the Zone Sports Network. Stay with us. Is unripe. Guys are doing a hell of a job. Utah wins with its offense, with Kyle Whittingham right. as the coach. That that could set off like world panic right there. Like I mean, the markets could go off and shift. And yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, we could have we could have rioting and looting in the streets with that kind of play. It's like Navy going to a spread offense. Exactly. Like- and the and the other thing is Utah and the Pac-12 just grew up. It wasn't like. Okay, we're fighting for some relevance. Utah dominated this game from the start to finish with their offense. They did it with their defense. They did it with their special teams. Utah is the best team in the Pac-12. That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ PK brought to you in part by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair, it's 2021 and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment. Or visit www.utahairmd.com. All right, question of the morning. As fresh as the headlines have been pelting us 
over the past 24 hours. First, Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma. For USC, a huge move, but at least Oklahoma looked like they had no chance to make it to the playoff. Notre Dame looks like they've got a chance to make it to the playoff. They'd need number one ranked Georgia to be Bama and knock Bama out, and then they need somebody else to lose. Cincinnati losing to Houston would do it. Oklahoma State. uh, It's not a stunning upset. No, Houston's 11 1. They're they're very good. And Baylor's a good football program. Baylor's a top 10 team with two losses. If they take down one loss, Oklahoma State, that would open a spot in the top four. I mean, nevertheless, does this just jade you at all? Fans, you're the fans. You're the you're the people we we talk to. Is there any sense of I don't know if jadeness is a word, but <laughs> are you jaded by this? I know, but I like to make up words. Uh, regardless of what it says in the dictionary, uh, it's, to to me, it's like each year it gets dirtier and sleazier, and that's just the stuff we know about. There's so much stuff. That, that doesn't go public. That we've been privy to and stuff where uh, there was an institution here, and I won't name names, and the kid was coming to the school, and they had to search high and low to have some junior college online thing give him a degree so he could play. And he did play. So basically a diploma mill. Yeah. And it was an online thing, and it was told to me, and if I said the name, everybody would know the name. And, yeah, you didn't say that on the air. No, you didn't, because it's true, and I don't want to say that, because that would further narrow it. And it, it, it was just a joke. You know, but you're supposed to get your degree, and then at the... Uh, Graduation day, you see all the coaches, they're all proudly posing with the kids who got there. And that's great and all. But it's about what can you do for me football-wise. And this kid, that they finally found some online place, he did a lot for them football-wise. And that, that, and, that, and that never got out. It never, and I heard the story and just, I mean, there's a million of them. They're a dime a dozen. Yeah, but I, isn't this different, though? Like you can be it's jaded. What different, Kelly. It's all no. It's all part of the jadedness. But it's a higher level of jadedness. Oh, fine. But it's you're, all part of the. You're deal. climbing a twenty thousand foot mountain. Now all of a sudden you're climbing a twenty five. Yeah, but then foot I mountain. got the coaches preach academics, and you were gonna find somebody. It's like a mail mail order mail order diploma to get the kid eligible, and did they did they really care? And, but that that's that's where we're at, and and there's all sorts of seedy stories, and Kelly, I don't know that it is. I mean, would I do anything different if they're going to offer me that much money? Would I say no? Probably not. So at least that's in the open. I don't know that it's a different level. The different level is this is going to impact the championship. A lot of the other stuff that happens. But that's the incidental. Is what most that's why keep. he got tired because it has the potential to impact the, the championship. Yes. If he was six and six, they would have no interest in him. So that 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 is like cause and effect. Of course, that's why he's getting the job in the first place. If he was eight and four, there's no way they'd be hiring him because they didn't hire all the guys who are eight and four. So, I don't know what uh, eight and. F- 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, there's eight and four coaches right. all over college football, and they didn't hire them. They went to a guy right. who's eleven Precisely. and one again. He's got a long string of double-digit win seasons. I don't know He's that I blame any individual. Who am I to tell Brian Kelly, don't take that money? <laughs> but is the no sport way. in a good place if key figures are quitting their job just as you get to the playoff in your championship? If your team wins and has a chance to play for the Rose Bowl on Friday night, it's in a great spot. Yes, that's what that's, it boils down to. That's true. And so our listeners now, the one we're like we're talking to the wrong people this morning <laughs> because you got one who's playing in the Mountain West title, you got another who's only lost two games and three games in two years, yep. and then you got another who's won the thing when they've had full seasons three years in a row and has its best chance ever to go to the Rose Bowl. So what do they care? Because you know what they think? Well, it's not going to be our guys. Our guys don't do that. Except that the junior college one was one of your schools. And if I told you, you would uh, you'd be stunned. But I don't want to say anything more. Uh, but we don't do that. That they do that. Yeah, we do the same thing with the Jazz here. They're the quorum of the twelve. Our guys don't do that. Well, until it comes out in the open that whatever <laughs> that is, they do do. They have such camaraderie in the locker room. They love each other. That's what we think about our team. Our team is different. There was a stretch from like 2010 to 2015 when that every year, this isn't like last year, this year they get along. You're like, wait a minute, you said that last year. <laughs> so the fans, as long as you win, you're, you're in love with them. Yes, that is the common thing about sports. But college football is different. Does any other has sport have people bailing out right before the championship starts. Well, but that, yeah, but they're the only sport that has a month between the end and the start of. So if we would do that, that it, the only reason why it's different is because the calendar is different. If they started March Madness after tax day, we would see it in basketball. But is it the only sport where contracts don't matter? No. I mean, you can say basketball, they don't really matter either. So, but in they college don't sports, anywhere. they don't matter. But Everything the, is negotiable. But in the pros, we don't see this. Everything it is negotiable. Like this is, it seems but, like this but, is but, bad for the sport. It's the pros, though. We expect sleaze and dirty. We get right. that the statues are our guys. And I, I had a guy at the Tribune tell me, oh, no, Malone's going to live here. Dude. Now, I'm bitter, cynical, East Coast guy. I, I get <laughs> so, it. So you're automatically going to... Yeah. yeah. No, he's not. Right. And no, he was never... He, these guys aren't from here. They come here, they play, they make their money, and then they're gone. And fine, but who, that's just the way I don't blame them. But none of these guys, Eaton Thurl, are like the only two guys who stayed around. Or maybe some others occasionally. Uh, Darren Williams keeps a home here because he loves to golf here. Uh, at beach golf and he- here in the summer versus uh, 97 degrees and 98% humidity. Pace Manion is back. But the Brian Russell story. Oh, he played stores. ball in college here. He did. That's another story. Yeah. Plenty of college guys stay around. You stay. You live in the town where you're most famous. Mm-hmm. Unless you're so famous that you don't have to. You live anywhere. Because you made that much money, yeah. you're good to go. And you're tired of the fame. And you can go back to home, whatever home is. Yeah. Brian Russell can go to L.A. and... John Stockton can go to Spokane. And yeah, and good good for them. But see, I, I don't think we expect uh, rah-rah collegiality at the pros. So to compare the two doesn't really 
fly to right. me. And I'm it's that's not what I'm talking about. It's just you don't see an NFL head coach just as the playoffs start take off. Yeah, but they're, they're, because it's the next week. If there was something the next week, Brian Kelly is not in a game this week. Uh, Lincoln Riley is not in a game this week. And they don't get 10-year contracts that they have no intention of fulfilling. Uh, the, the contracts mean nothing to me. They, they, they mean nothing to anyone. They mean something to the pros. I think they yeah, get but again, you but they're I don't, so one-sided so in college. The pros are so different. It, that, that is win at all costs. Whatever it takes. The Kevin McHale line, axe murderer by day, NBA star by night. But the colleges win at all costs. And LSU but just yet decided we the cost is hundred million. It doesn't. Yes. There are guys. Right. They wear our gear. We get that Coach Parcells when he coached the Cowboys. He's not a cowboy. He's he's a freaking Northeast dude. That's the last thing. There ain't no cowboys there. But we understand that you're hi- you're a hired gun at the pro level. You're going to be there a short time. You know, there's a few exceptions, but the overwhelming majority, you're going to be there a short time. So we don't look at it. I, 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 to me, I think you're way off base comparing to pros because everybody understands that. And the players come and go. But here at the college level, you know, go Utes! It's a bunch of crap. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems to me like this is different. And I'm not arguing that it isn't a bunch of crap along the way and that there's slimy stories in recruiting and, okay, fine, yes. But it seems like a coach quitting on his team when he can still win the national championship is a line that hasn't been crossed before. And it seems bad that it's getting crossed now. It's going to look weird. I think it's bad for the sport. Oh, it seems no worse. I don't, I don't see how or it's... Or you think people just like the drama, and so they'll watch because of the drama. Notre Dame's going to be in the playoff. I mean, don't you want Georgia to... Well, everybody wants Georgia to beat Alabama. I don't Unless care. you're Alabama fans. I have but don't you, don't you want to see care. this now? Let's see if Notre Dame can see, go in the playoff without a coach. Well, you know, Notre Dame fans don't... They're Notre Dame fans. They're not Brian Kelly fans. So they're going to be. My brother-in-law is a hardcore Notre Dame fan. He's got a sign on his, on his outside his front door. Uh, basically, I'm paraphrasing. Don't come knocking when Notre Dame's playing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just lives for Notre Dame. My sister texts me during Notre Dame games constantly <laughs> because he's so into it, and she is by virtue of his allegiance. And so uh, Brian Kelly. That's my whole point. Brian Kelly now is meaningless to them, but. Last week, Brian Kelly was our guy, man. He bleeds green. That's what I'm saying. That's my whole point. It's a bunch of crap. And these fans get sucked into it. And they get sucked in like he's our guy. And they would defend Brian Kelly at all costs. Now toss him aside with yesterday's news. That's the whole point. They still want Notre Dame to win. That's the point I'm making. And then they put on this facade that they're in, and they go to coaches' shows, and they wear their gear, and the fans show up if they win. He's our guy. We love him. No, he's not. He's not. I, 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 on the tenth hole, no, the eleventh hole of uh, Coral Canyon Golf Course several years ago, this dude that we got hooked up with is telling me. Urban Meyer is our guy, man. He's not going anywhere. He's from Cincinnati. He's Ohio State through and through. I said, what are you talking about? He's Urban Meyer's guy. 
That's what guy he is. We don't even, we thought he was Shelly's guy, and now he's got a little gal on his lap. I don't even know he's Shelly's guy. <laughs> Apparently not when she says everybody sins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we hold Read these people the up. And, and the folks down back here 20 years ago, whenever it was, oh, he, he's going to be here. Get out of town, which is exactly what he did. Hey, <laughs> So you buy into these people and they become your heroes. And they, give me a break. And now you, you, you hated Hoke. They're eleven and one. He's the greatest thing. No, I'm tolerating him. <laughs> I don't think he's the greatest thing. <laughs> but they're yeah, winning. If he, if he goes through, he won't be there if he goes three seasons of eleven and one. You know, he'll he'll jump and fly the coup himself. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, come on. You have to. Ex- you have to accept that in the Mountain West. There's more money to well, be you made. You have to accept that at Notre Dame. It turns out you do, yes. <laughs> if you <laughs> have to accept it at Notre Dame, you have to accept it literally that, every place that's, else. That's new news to uh, <laughs> South Bend, but it's it's old news to San Diego State. Yeah, well, yeah, if you ha- if it can happen at Notre Dame, it could, it's a version of New York, New York. It could happen anywhere because Notre Dame is the biggest, baddest illustrious program on the block. Maybe not every single year, and I get Alabama right now, but in terms of fan base and whatnot, Notre Dame has got, they dwarf everybody. So if it could happen there, it could happen anywhere. And And you can't say it's a one-off because it just happened to Oklahoma. Well, I don't, I hate the expression one-off. That's yours. Well, it's not. If I use the expression, if I took a sip every time you said one-off, I'd be loaded by 8 o'clock. Wouldn't I, Yock? When you're gone, you we just say about. one-off all the time. That's great. We talk soccer, and we say one-off. You hypocrite. <laughs> you hypocrite. <laughs> kind of right, though. <laughs> I'm, not hypocr- I'm not a hypocrite. I'm two-faced. Yeah, all right. <laughs> That's what we got. But yet, you fans right now, they don't care. And, and the funny thing is, if Kalani leaves, they'll blame it on the administration. Because he's our guy. He played here, man. Has that equation changed, though? What? In what way? Well, it depends on what he leaves for and how much he leaves for. I mean, there's an expectation well, that BYU... Leave more money. Right, but how much what more What difference money? does it make? I've got no right to tell somebody <laughs> don't take more money. No, I'm talking about the administration. I get that. But if it's such a massive deal, will people say, well, there's nothing BYU could do? They no, weren't going no, to that number. No, you're 100% wrong. No. Really? You know, because they would say they would put it on Kalani if the word came out, well, we doubled his salary and that wasn't good enough for him. That money grubber took the money and ran. So then it'd be Kalani's fault. There, at no point, there... not, and we'll never know because it won't Go come ahead. out publicly. But yeah, if they put together what they believe is their most attractive package for, and it's not by package, so I they'll mean never, the whole thing. So BYU fans will never do what Utah State and San Diego State and on down the line fans have done, where it's kind of like, well, that was going to happen, <laughs> and there's just an acceptance of. Yeah, I mean, because Brady Hoke already left once. He went to Michigan. Yeah, but they're, and, and they're like, going in the Big 12, so they've got the ticket. So things are changing, changing. dramatically. Yes. And the Big 12, you Pac-10 folk, shut up, or Pac-12 folk, because the new Big 12, right today, is just as good or better. Better. And I realize yeah. Texas and that just juggernaut program that they got well, and Oklahoma are leaving. They're taking, Texas has taken a lot of money and a lot of reputation, but another... 
just yeah. in a long series of 500-ish seasons. Right. So, so Oklahoma So Kalani's going to get wins. in. He's going to yeah. be on the inside in 14 games if he stays. Or he'll, he'll actually he'll either be on the inside in 14 games or he'll be on the inside in two games. But either way. Yeah. Yeah. And you got Oklahoma fans. They're outraged. Well, uh, Lincoln Riley, yeah, don't tell me you just spoke to them, blah, 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 yep. on Saturday or Sunday morning. Oh, but we're going to the SEC and we're going to cash in? Oh, that's great. That's lovely. No problem. So you're bleeping about him leaving yeah. you, but you're doing the same thing to, to Mike Gundy. Lincoln, Mike Van Gundy. Lincoln should have been uh, had more loyalty. But we don't have to have any loyalty to Oklahoma yeah. State or Texas Tech. It's a bunch of friggin' crap. I'm sick of it. <laughs> no we, have, we haven't had a paper toss in a while. Right. Because Notre Dame hasn't had a coach leave since 1906. And my father, who was cremated, is rolling over in his grave right now because he loved the Irish. I took him to the Notre Dame game. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. I want to see BYU face somebody that is really going to put him to the challenge. Hell, throw him in the Rose Bowl with Utah. Let's go round oh. two on this bad boy. Could you imagine? People are going to be so... Oh, I know. At Scotty G. No, don't give the Twitter account. <laughs> okay, obviously it's never going to happen. I just think it'd be funny for Utah fans finally get to the Rose Bowl and they look across the field and there's Kalani Sataki with a smile on his face like, yeah, we're here guys. <laughs> hey, did you see that parade? It was really cool. <laughs> did you see the gifts they gave us? This is incredible. Can you believe this payday? We're all going to be rich. Oh, you have to share your bowl purse? Oh, oh yeah, we get all of it. Okay. No, that, uh, I'm, that's I'm kidding. Coming. I'm kidding. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Join Unrivaled with Alex Curie and Scott Mitchell Friday from 3 to 6 at the Hot Tub Factory Outlet Holiday Sale in Draper next to Cowabunga Bay. 12101 Factory Outlet Drive. That's 121st South Factory Outlet Drive. Utah Jazz picking up a win last night. Is this the classic? They did what they had to do. They got the win. They look better than they've looked. But in the big picture, we're not going to remember this game, nor is it going to mean anything. Well, no single game in the regular season is going to mean anything. So that's no different than all the other 81 games. I think what we're looking for, why it's important, is we're looking for them to go on a run. Consistency, baby. And so now you got two in a row. And you've looked good in those two games because before that, in your prior nine games, you were stumbling actually below. I think you were four and four five. and five over nine games, and you were losing to teams at home, which you know the championship caliber teams aren't supposed to do that, but they did, they did that. So it was somewhat alarming to a degree, but at the same time, it's still early enough to where okay, uh, they can get it together. We just are alarmed to a degree because this team is not breaking in a bunch of new players. You know, Rudy Gay. Am I missing anybody? Anybody else? And uh, Whiteside. But Whiteside has been playing. Gay is just new to the lineup because of the injury. But you're, if you're breaking in a 35-year-old to a set lineup and he is a role player coming off the bench, are you really breaking him in? 
It's it's not like you know the Lakers bringing in all these new dudes and changing everything. So you would expect them, especially with LeBron being out and Anthony Davis is a game away from sitting three. Uh, from you'd expect them to have a slow start. The Jazz were not expected to have a slow start, and they had a little stumble after a decent start. So now we expect them to go on a run. I'm still expecting them to go 17 and three over 20. I still expect that because I believe the talent is there. So now they're two in a row, and we're expecting that. So it's not uh, the singular game that's going to stand out. It's the run that's going to stand yep. out. Because under Quinn Snyder, they have gone on some terrific runs. runs. Last year. Almost every year 20, since they halfway decent. You know, right. the early years, they didn't have as much talent. Yeah, but even then, they had a run that was, um, I think he had like a 28-5 and five or something like that. <clears throat> yeah, I So think at some that, point, it clicks in and they really roll. Now, yeah. you can say, and somebody probably is right now, well, they've won six of their last eight. And that's true, but Memphis at home and New Orleans at home are just not losses people expect. No, New Orleans loss at home was brutal. And I don't care if they played 15 games against the same team in four days. I'm sick of Take excuses. those guys down. I don't want to hear excuses. No. no. Tell, tell me ahead of time, and then don't charge me full price to go to the game. <laughs> we don't have a good chance to win because mathematically the odds, okay, well then, if I'm not going to see your best I, effort, I, wonder I don't want to pay my best dollar. I wonder if a team did that, how it would work out. I mean, they, the pro teams do do stuff with uh, where they got the sliding yeah. scale based on the opponent and the date and all that. Yeah, Yankees well, tickets cost more uh, when the Yankees come to town. You know, they pump them oh, up. Oh, for right? sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and the secondary market goes through the roof too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just, we get so there's a little demand. bit of that. But yeah. to really go out and pub it, hey, discount tickets. Because we are playing them. And then they, they do that to an extent. They just don't advertise it yeah. that way. But I'm expecting this team to go on a run. And I was thoroughly impressed with the way they played. They, they It didn't bug you when they like gave up 35 points in the third quarter? And the lead is up at 22? And the lead is down to 10? No, this is the NBA. And every time I see Lillard pull up for a jump shot, I think it's going in. <laughs> you know, because he's really good. His form is exceptional. Uh, so, no, I expect that team, and Nurkic played well. He had a little bounce to his step, seemed like. Uh, I expect this Portland team to be competitive. I don't think they're going to win anything. Maybe they get out of the first round, probably not. But they've got players. They just don't have enough of them. They've got three or four decent players and, and, and a Hall of Famer, too. And McCollum's very good by himself individually also. So with that level of talent over there, I expect them to put together some type of streak virtually every game. But all of this is against the fact that people are looking around the NBA and seeing the Warriors and Suns put together these streaks right out of the gate. Phenomenal. Hey, keep up with these guys. Yeah, phenomenal runs. And the, both ball and the Jazz aren't really. They don't have to. Uh, I mean, they haven't played either team. So let's see. Uh, it's still a long, long way to go here. Uh, but I'm I'm concentrating almost exclusively on the Jazz, and I came away with one of the better feelings that I've had this season watching them play against Portland. But that's because we watch offense more than defense, and Portland's defense is is terrible through the I, first twenty games. I, I think it's more about the Jazz. It's it, I'm not really focused on the opponent. 
I'm focused on what the Jazz can do because if they do what they can do, if you score 129 points and you shoot 40 percent from three, you're going to win a lot of basketball games. Right, and that that's and they ca- they're very much capable. It's yeah. not like it was a fluke. As I look at any of these players, who really just astounded me. Nobody. The stuff that's bugged them, the, the turnover numbers were great. The offensive rebound, eh, probably a couple more than they wanted to give up. But there was a lot of garbage time in that game, so I have to go back and check and see if that's when they had you know two, three, or four of them get away. I do think that if they really want to get the most out of Joe, they can they should consider starting him. And then, but I'm not a basketball guy. This is just one doofus's opinion. Uh, I mean, I'm a basketball fan. Uh, but I don't have any metrical numbers and any of that crap, nor am I going to look at that because fans don't do that, and I'm a voice of the fan. That's you. You're not. <laughs> I will look up I those am. numbers for you. Well, well, you don't have to do it for me because I'm going to pay attention even if you read them. Uh, oh, well, then never mind. I'll let Locke do it. I'm, I'm, the rep- I'm the fans' representative. I was voted into this office by the fans. You were not. And I represent the sure, I'm a, I'm a no-name dude. I'm still a no-name guy. There was no, there was no vote. Well, there was somebody signed off on it, but I'm an I'm a no name dude. I wasn't in front of the TV camera, so I represent what the fans think. I'm an upper bowl dude. That's who I am, and I think that you get more out of Ingles if he starts. And then if you brought O'Neill off the bench and somebody's hot, sick him. Go get him. Shut him down, Royce. Lock yeah. him up. Yeah. And Joe's last two games, man, and I think there's been a plenty of evidence watching him play as a starter. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are talking football next. Frank Dolce, former Ute quarterback, now Ute analyst and insider for The Zone Sports Network. He joins us next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Frank Dolce, Ute analyst and insider for The Zone Sports Network. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Frank, good morning. Good morning, DJ. Good morning, PK. Hope you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Outstanding. Had a good yeah. Thanksgiving. It was good. Yours? Yeah, it was very nice. Very nice. It's my favorite holiday, so I really look forward to Thanksgiving. Did you come out of Thanksgiving as uh, wealthy as uh, Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly? Not quite. Wealth in friends, maybe. Aha! (laughs) Uh, I would trade that for cash any day. (laughs) Well, yeah, those guys, uh, I mean, there's been, this was the week, I guess. Uh, for coaching changes, um, so pretty exciting. I I think that the Lincoln Riley hire is about as good as it could get for USC and for the Pac-12, because the Pac-12 needs USC to be a foundational team, a team that's competing for a playoff spot every year. I think that is what Lincoln Riley means to to USC. Brian Kelly is is an interesting one to me. Uh, I don't know. I, uh, maybe he's just been at Notre Dame so long that I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not seeing the fit at LSU, but maybe that is, maybe that is a good, a good fit for him. So we'll, we'll, we'll I guess I'm, I'm, uh, less 
optimistic about the Brian Kelly hire than I am about the Lincoln Riley hire. I can see that on paper, but you know, I wonder. I really don't. I don't ever really know because you you, you don't know who's going to be great, who's not going to be great. Maybe rarely. I mean, I think that we knew Urban Meyer was just going to take the world by storm, and he did here briefly, and he's gone on and had success at the other college spots. But other than that, you know what what makes a good coaching hire? It appears that Lincoln Riley would be a phenomenal one, thirty eight years of age and charismatic and all that, but. At the same time, you know, the standards that he's got to achieve, it's basically playoff virtually every year, or at least be in contention to be in, yeah. or you're not going to be considered a success. 15-0 and 0 or yeah. bust, Frank. 15-0 and 0 or bust. <laughs> well, that's not, that's not so hard. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I think that, uh, I mean, USC should be able to, to attract that sort of talent. Um, and... And I really like the way that that uh, that Riley utilizes his offense, his his, his philosophy, um, the, the management of the game. He, people people think that he's a guy that throws the ball around a lot, but he's he he's re, his offense is really based in the run. I know he 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 worked under the air raid system with Leach, but he doesn't really incorporate the air raid scheme so much. So I think he's a really really good fit. Um, for for USC I, and and to your point, PK, I thought Kevin Sumlin was gonna was gonna be the launching pad for Arizona, and we all know where that ended up. So you don't really know. I think on paper you're right. Lincoln Riley looks like it it smells like the right thing for USC, and I'm less sure about Brian Kelly. And in two years, we could be talking about the complete opposite. Right, right, yeah. That's the thing about it is we'll. The great thing is that even though we're not really sure, well, we will be sure one way or the other. <laughs> well, when you started, you know, when you started in the broadcasting game, I know there were a lot of naysayers. Yeah, look, including the guy sitting right across from me. <laughs> <laughs> you proved them all. You proven them all wrong. So good for you. <laughs> not all of them. Check Twitter. <laughs> oh, those are ding dong fans. Oh, isn't that the truth? He's just a fluke. He's just a fluke, and he'll be discovered one day. Twitter, Twitter is—I don't even know what that is. It is the worst platform ever. It's—it's it's just full of hate and vitriol, and you—you you, know—and that's the thing is that it's like Las Vegas. You win every once in a while. You win, so you keep going back, and it's the same thing on Twitter. Every once in a while, you get some—you know some nice comment about something you said and you're like, Oh, well look, people actually like me. And then, but, but then you disregard the 99% of everyone else who thinks you're, you know, you have no clue of what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. They can go to hell. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm curious with Brian Kelly, we were debating this PK says it's the latest. Correct me if I'm, if I'm summarizing you wrong here, PK. PK says it's the latest in a, long sli- in a long string of slimy stories, bizarro stories, win at all costs, and it's just, it's just one more. And I'm sitting over here thinking, this is a new level. They've crossed a line that hasn't been crossed before. Have coaches given up on kids and schools and teams? Absolutely. But this is the first time that a coach who's got a legitimate shot at going to the playoff and playing for the national championship 
has quit on his team. They've always quit on the team like Riley. Okay, we could go to a pretty good bowl game, but we're not playing for the national championship, so I'm out of here. Yeah. But this is a new level. It's, if Georgia beats Alabama and one other team in the top four, you know, Houston beats Cincinnati, Baylor beats Oklahoma State, these are not massive upsets. Michigan losing might be a really big upset, but the other two aren't. Yeah, I don't know if I would consider Alabama losing uh, to be uh, the... A big upset. Well, not necessarily an upset, but I don't know that I would necessarily view them as being out just because oh, they lose yeah. to Georgia. Oh, yeah, I don't think so either. Right. Oh, really, I do. I, I think yeah. if they get the two... Well, because they might have to include a two-loss team, then Bama could be back in. But I, I don't think two-loss Alabama gets in over one-loss Notre Dame. Before this, now with the coach out, that gives them, that gives them a pass to do it. But do you think that Kelly leaving is a new step and a new level and, uh, and, and bad for the sport? I, to, to use a phrase um, that you're apparently fond of, DJ, is, I think it's a one-off. <laughs> <laughs> you are listening earlier. I knew, I knew he was going there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think I, Notre Dame is such an interesting place, and even with all of the, the you know the history and the success and the tradition, everything else, uh, I, I I don't know that you've been able to, Kelly's been able to really find the athletes, um, certainly a upper tier, but may, maybe not the same type of athletes that. Could put him, make him competitive on an annual basis for the playoffs. I think that's one thing to consider. Um, I think that's why Urban Meyer went to Florida instead of going to Notre Dame. Is exactly because exactly right. Yeah. When he when he laid out all the cards, he thought, well, I can win national championships at Florida. I don't know if I can win right. national championships. Yeah. At Notre Dame. So I think that's a I think that's one piece of it. And and so let's say that Kelly goes to the playoffs this year. And is you know maybe his team is depleted next year, and then you know he has an average campaign. Does he have an opportunity to go to an LSU again? I don't know. It's just hard to tell. So you know you just can't read the future. And and then you know I have the have the numbers been revealed? I heard that Lincoln Riley was be, being offered on the twelve to fourteen million dollar a year range for oh, yeah. LSU. And, and 20, 24-7 at SC, 24-7 use of a private jet by he and his family. Whenever you want to. And they're buying him a $6 million home, and they're buying his homes in Oklahoma. Yeah, I think it's $12 double million. double price. Yeah, but it's $12 million, and when you add in all the perks, then it's, it's north of $12 million. Except that, yeah. and the numbers haven't all been revealed, but they will be at LSU because it's a state school, but Kelly's supposed to be $15 million. And it's a total package of a hundred to one hundred ten million or something like yeah. that. Yeah, Kelly ain't gonna yeah. or uh, Lincoln Riley ain't gonna be living at the places he goes to recruit. Let's just put it that way. Clearly, <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I, I just think that it's you know, I I like to you know, loyalty is a lot different when when you're talking about similar packages in terms of compensation, but it, it loyalty becomes very really difficult. And I guess everybody has a price, and you know, fifteen million dollars a year, and I'm certain a big portion of that is some kind of guarantee. I, I mean, that is that's what wealth that that goes down through kids and grandkids, and maybe even further. So 
so you know yeah i i it's very difficult to to pass that up so i think there's probably a couple things in play there's one LSU probably gives Kelly a better chance at winning a national championship during his career. And two, it's just really hard to pass up that kind of um, for sure that kind of money. Yeah, I mean, but we were dealing with sports in a sport where coaches take a job in January, and then before the season starts in spring practice, they've taken another job. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, what's left? Yeah, it's it's crazy. I'm curious about like. I know, I know. Coach Winningham has been on some of those short lists. Yes, um, and I'm really curious. Maybe, maybe you know, PK, if if Coach Witt's been in a position to pass up that kind of. Maybe he's just kind of that guy that, you know, the the money is just a smaller factor for him in considering where well, he wants to spend. I mean, his I, career, I think he has generational he wealth, up. and so I know he's taken his money here. And he's invested in a lot of different things that allow him to make more money and give him plenty of money. But the, he's a different breed in that way. And that he and it sounds cliche and, and trite. And I'm, people are saying, oh, you like him, so you're going to defend him in this way. But for him, uh, such a low-maintenance dude, that in, one of his best, his greatest accomplishments is that all of his children went through the same grade school, junior high and high school, and, and university for that matter, and he didn't have to move around all. I mean, he loves to say that, and that's important to him. So, yeah, you know, as, a, as a football coach, yeah, a big-time football coach, that just doesn't happen. Exactly. So to me, as I view it, that was worth the money that he could have gotten other places. Yeah. And then with them going into the Pac-12, that was given a ticket to the big time. Well, maybe the next big question is: I heard the you know the spot on the youth update about how Coach Witt really enjoyed the team sending out the seniors the right way. The last you know their last game at uh, Rice Eccles was that Coach Witt's last game at Rice Eccles. No. If I had to guess, I would say the answer is no. He got that uh, question at the press conference Monday. And, yeah. you know, a lot of coaches have told us a lot of stuff, and it's turned out not to be true. So be careful about, you know, pushing all your chips to the middle on any one thing. Well, he reserves says. the right to change his mind. Absolutely. 100% on that. But you know, I think he'll be back next year. I do, too. With or without well, the Rose Bowl? With or without. I, I think that uh, this this team wasn't wasn't necessarily supposed to be the team that competed for uh, a Rose Bowl opportunity. No, next year. I think it's next year. Yeah. yeah, it is. So that's, I think that's compelling for for a coach. But my, and, and and you know, if if things don't go really well next year, I don't know that it really diminishes his legacy. If you, I, I, I think we were adding this up the other day. And if you look across his career as, as a football coach and specifically his time at Utah as a defensive coordinator and as a head coach. That is, that's an unbelievable list of accomplishments. And one day, you know, one day as fans, we'll sit back and recognize that we won't get caught up in the, you know, 
he's he's one and two to start the season. What's happening to this football team? It's falling apart. Yada yada yada. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one day we'll look back and really take a look at his list of accomplishments and realize. Well, what, yeah. well, it'll be it'll be the first two or three five and seven seasons in a row. I was I was going to say it'll be when when the schools missed on three straight head coaches like they have in basketball, because now Majerus's run, we're, we're lost out on all the the weirdness, right? The the year that he didn't coach the whole season, and there were three different press conferences to explain three different reasons why he was going away, and we kept getting summoned to the Huntsman Center for Rick's farewell press conference. My heart, my knee, my mom. <laughs> yeah. But we don't care about that right now. That right now like we're looking <laughs> at. Right now we're looking at. Wow, he, look at all the Sweet Sixteens the guy went to. He went to three in a row. They've only been to three tournaments since he left. He went to three Sweet Sixteens in a row, and we're forgetting all the other stuff. Yeah, I I think you know, and I happened to be on campus when. Coach Majerus was on campus, and um, and I'll I'll nice relationship with him. I mean, I got lucky. I just I just happened to bump into him in in the office one day, and and I just had the, an opportunity to build a nice little relationship with him. Um, and and he, I, I took some. I, I was taking some shots um, in the middle of one football season, and he was he came to my rescue in a way and I'll never I'll never forget that. If if he didn't have all of the if he didn't have all of the weird stuff surrounding him and there was I mean there there was some weird stuff. Um if he didn't have all of that surrounding him um I think he would be even more respected not just in the community but more respected nationally. His accomplishments at Utah are unprecedented. I mean I just think that the way that he managed that basketball program and and you you made the point we we haven't seen it since his time and who knows if utah will ever get back to that level but he was an unbelievable unbelievable presence on campus no question about it yeah and kyle will go and he'll get that and he'll get his due i I think he gets the rose bowl this year maybe next year maybe the playoff next year I mean, this. I'm, I'm glad that the playoffs play may, might be maybe. I mean, I'm not going to rule it playoffs. out. I mean, they, a couple years back, they were right into it. And he just until, wants to say it till the end. I got it. I just wanted to say. <laughs> I, I understand that. I I, I, I rode uh, when the Utes were playing the Bruins uh, when Jim Moore Jr. was the coach there. I was at the uh, Spring Hill Suites in Manhattan Beach there. And coming down the morning after the game was Jim Moore Sr. in the elevator, and it is all I could do. To ask him about the playoffs, but I, but I didn't. <laughs> I would thank him for well, that. I, just, I, that's brought so much joy and pleasure. We all love doing it. And we all laugh when we do it. Yeah, every time. I'm glad he did it. I I love to think about Coach Whittingham taking a team to the playoffs, but for the Pac-12, it's not the you, you know SEC teams get in the playoffs with with one loss, maybe two losses. Uh, you could take a Big Ten team with one loss into the playoffs. But are, are they – I know they were considering Oregon, and Oregon was up there at number three with one loss, but I don't really think the committee ever thought Oregon was the number three team. I thought – I think the committee thought Oregon was going to take another loss and we can push yeah. them out of the playoff picture. You're going you're gonna to have to go undefeated in the Pac-12 to get in the playoffs. Is that – 
Uh, not if there's two lost teams yeah. everywhere else maybe, like there are this one year. Lost. But, but if for no other reason, they return a ton of people next year, and they got five guaranteed wins in the South because the South sucks. For USC's turning it on a dime. All right, before yeah. we go, so it's it's Oregon, and we know what happens if the Utes play well and if Oregon plays average or poorly. The thing the Utes <laughs> yeah. can't control is, is Oregon going to come with their A game this time? Because nobody believes that was their A game. And the Utes, can they bring their A game again? Well, yeah, I, that is the big question. But, I, but I've watched both of these teams play all year long. Uh, I have seen Oregon... Uh, look pretty good at times. But I would say this about both teams. If Oregon brings their A game and Utah brings their A game, I pick Utah. I I think Oregon is still flawed. I was still I, I still feel like they should have taken a loss earlier in the season outside of the Utah game. So I feel like it, maybe this matchup is much more what we thought it would be the first time around, like, you know, a 27-24, 31-28 kind of a game, super competitive at the line of scrimmage. I don't think Oregon – certainly Oregon didn't play their best, and Utah played, played really well uh, and was able to get the running game going. So th- that's something, something to consider. But uh, – if both game, if both teams are at their best, I still give the edge to Utah. I think Utah is a better team overall this year, and Utah's played better for a longer stretch this, this football season. Uh, it, but you know, it's it's the same thing on the other side. If Utah doesn't, if Utah's average, then they're just going to get run out of the stadium because I still think that uh, athletically, Oregon probably brings the most to the table. But but an even matchup, clean game, number ones, number ones, everybody playing at their top level. I I give Oregon. I, I mean, I give Utah the the edge in that game. Yeah, I give it on quarterback. Quarterback alone is good enough for me. I agree a hundred percent. I I like Brown, and he certainly showed something different against Oregon State. But Oregon State's terrible defense, and you know, going twenty three of twenty eight, that's impressive. Um, but under different circumstances, meaning under duress, um, when the game is on his shoulders to throw the ball downfield, I don't think he. I don't think he comes up with with the right play, with the right combination. I he did hit some fantastic passes against Utah, no question. But he also threw a bunch of terrible passes against Utah, so, and I think that's more of the of what he is as a quarterback. Um, so same, you know, same game plan for Utah. Contain the quarterback. Keep him in front of you. Can't let him get the quarterback run game going. Eliminate as much as you can Oregon's run game, which I think they will be much more committed to this time around. And you have to, you have to force Brown to beat you through the air. And if he beats you through the air, then you know you just kind of have to take that loss. Um, but if you can do all those things, I think you give yourself a really good chance at, at winning it. Oh, the best number for the Utes from that first game was 63 yards rushing. That was phenomenal. Yards. Phenomenal that they held the Ducks to 63 yards. Yeah. And if they do that again, I don't care who's a quarterback. 
the Utes are winning the game. Yeah, I I think so too. If they hold if they hold Oregon to an under 100 yard effort on the ground again, then then uh, then you know I would it would be very hard for me to say that Utah doesn't come out on top in in that football game. I, I'm curious to see how Moorhead manages it. I thought he abandoned the run a little bit um, in in game one. So we'll see if he's if he sticks sticks with it a little bit more. And and by the way, you know this is probably a kind of a job interview for Moorhead. Uh, I I think he's looking around for for where he's going to land next year, and he's going to have some opportunities. So we'll we'll see how he manages the game offensively for Oregon. It should be interesting. Fresno State's a good job, and it's open now. So, all right. Well, we'll see if that. Uh, I guess what you're saying, Frank, is that that first Utah Oregon game was not a one off. <laughs> well, it was it was a one-off for Oregon. I think they'll play much better <laughs> in this game. But I still believe, based on all that I've seen out of both teams, that a game versus a game, I I give uh, the game to Utah. Thanks, Frank. We appreciate it. Man, it's great to catch up with you guys. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon, Frank Dolce. Ute analyst and insider for the Zone Sports Network, Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, is coming up at 9 o'clock to talk Cougars right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. For Kyle Whittingham and the Utes, it all comes down to this. It's the Pac-12 championship game in Las Vegas as the Utes look to claim their first ever Pac-12 title. The Zone Sports Network will be in Las Vegas with nonstop blowout-the-budget coverage of the Utes as they battle Oregon for a spot in the Rose Bowl. Your home for the best coverage of the Utes in the Pac-12 championship game is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join hands with Scotty G Friday at the warehouse from noon to three. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. I can give you a boom. I'm back. Go ahead. I just did. You don't, man, you really don't pay attention to anything I said. You said you could give us a boom. And I did. So that was a boom. Yeah. Boom. There. And you always we need it. You know, well, you're a Hall of Famer. What the hell? I'm not. <laughs> you're just a few booms away. Nah, I'll decline. Question of the day. And we have been talking about this because the news of Brian Kelly is going to uh, LSU, blowing everyone's mind. With all these wild coaching moves, what is becoming of college football? Larry says college football is more about the money than the actual sport. Kids are told to buy into a program. It's all about the name on the front of the uniform, not the back. B.S. You just get stabbed in the back by their coach. Coach is going to abandon their team at the drop of a hat, but kid has to sit out of here to transfer. What a joke. My, how the system is broken. Well, they don't have to sit out a year to transfer anymore. Nope, that rule's been changed. uh, And they don't stab you in the back. They go right to the heart. (laughs) Right in the face. They want to look you in the eyes. Soprano style. (laughs) Yeah, they don't make no bones about it. It's just a dirty, dirty business. And... It amazes me the passion. I'm grateful for that they have it because I make money off of it myself. But it amazes me the passion that the fans have for these programs. And maybe we are a little different here. I, but Not to pick on Blake Anderson, but the countdown's on. He's good. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> going to come calling yeah. for a lot of money. And I don't blame him. So when he leaves and how he leaves matters. Ultimately, it doesn't. But you know my point. 
Well, yeah, because you live where everything is Pollyannish <laughs> and it's fair. If he finishes the season. And all men are created equal and people love one another. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if he finishes the season, there you is a your granddad went to the games. If I said five words to my granddad, <laughs> that was it. He barely spoke English. <laughs> You could have learned Italian. I did. Swear words. <laughs> Those are the five words you spoke to? You guys told each other to bleep off? Well, there were so many of them. Uh, so many grandkids that he had. Uh, so, uh, no. I don't think it matters. What, what's the difference? If Kelly left next week, or next month, I should say, uh, or next no, week. next week, if they didn't make the playoff. If they didn't make the playoff, they left next So they're going to get in a major bowl, but he leaves next week. And but and I demand everything all season. I go play intramurals, buddy. You get two weeks off. You want more than that? Go play intramurals. So it's a, and we heard Nick Ford, uh, Nick Ford on Monday talking mm-hmm. about, well, I think it was him, right? The level of uh, time commitment that yeah. you're there and. All that yeah, stuff. Yeah, we were talking about all the work it takes yeah. to get to the point they're in now. Right. Well, they're gearing question. up right, for right. one game it, to win the it's conference. It's virtually your entire life. Yeah. And he went all the way back to winter conditioning. You finish the bowl game, you get a little downtime, and then it's winter conditioning. You're in the weight room. Right. And so that's your whole life. And he's going to leave, and the schedule is not complete. The season is not over. What what difference does it make? So so it's okay if it's a lesser bowl, but if it's a big bowl, yeah, no, I draw the line on that. That's but, hypocritical right there. Yeah, but it seems like we've gotten over that. <laughs> and maybe we'll get over this, but uh, we haven't I'm gotten over, over this. It. We haven't gotten over this yet. Okay, you have, but you're a leader. And the, the followers, leader. the followers haven't gotten a over leader that. of nobody. I've left no legacy on this planet, nor will I. Nor will I. So I'm not a leader of anything. Not sure that's no, true. No, it that is okay. true, and you know damn well it's true. Oh, so, you want to argue about that now? I'm going to win. <laughs> Here, I, I just view it cynically because I view it for what it is. It, it is people trying to make as much money as they possibly can, and good for them. I would do the same thing. So I'm not upset at any of these folks, but I view it for what it is. And the fans get suckered in. He's our guy, man. He's a Utah man, to use an expression. And, yeah, unless something better comes along. And and here it doesn't look like with Kyle. So Kyle, Kyle is the exception to a good extent. He is a Utah man. Good for you. But I'm just using it as an example, not as a literal. I mean, how do we? Uh, Mark Harlan is—is is he going to be here like Chris Hill? Like, I would assume not. Right. I mean, as soon as you say like Chris Hill, I'm going to assume not. The national average is like five years for an athletic director, and Chris did how many years? Thirty. So six times the national average. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, pretty much I'd bet against anybody. I mean, Tom Homo's triple going on quadruple the national average, and I don't know that he's going to get to Chris Hill. Right. And then they had an assistant, but then they knew the new AD. Oh, sorry, assistant, you're gone. So, uh, this is the way of the world, man. Once you step outside, be prepared for just about <laughs> it's anything. It's a cold wind blowing. It, it, it can and, be. And as much as we can sit here and crack on coaches, we've seen multiple coaches who've won it all, who've had an undefeated season, won the BCS or the playoff, whatever the format was at the time, and they've been gone in two years. How come you didn't do it again? And I don't think you can do it again watching you, so I'm not going to stick with you through this. 
No, they didn't believe him in the first. In, Auburn, yeah. Auburn and LSU both. Thanks for the national title. Psst, out the door. Psst, out the door. <laughs> <laughs> With all that money. Because the contract is one way. You can walk, but if we let you go, we got to pay you. Yeah. And then some folks might have been upset that Charlie Brewer quit on a Monday when he was a hired hand to begin with. But it's okay that Cam Rising quit on Texas. No problem there. That was at the end of the year. (laughs) (laughs) The result is the same. I don't think he quit on them, so I don't care. He sought a better opportunity. This other young young fellow here, Costelli, gives up his senior year, his last portion of his senior year, which should be gravy, and just enjoying yourself to the utmost with your buddies. And he comes up here for what? For what? What point did it mean to him to lose his last Well, I guess of the summary year? of that would be um, he found out this was not the place. He couldn't have, what, couldn't have learned that here in the fall? Tuttle, cost Tuttle learned it, didn't he? Would have cost him a year. Yeah, Tuttle did. You're right. I mean, what do we mean it cost him a year? It would have cost him a year. He learned it a year earlier. If he would have come in August as opposed to January? I don't think so. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, no, I'm, I'm with you. I got you now. Yeah. I just and you, you've got to come and compete, and and you get the parents. Yeah, my kid's going to play in the pros. You see it with the parents all the time. All the time. I mean, you see them running around, and 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 if their kid they think is something, and then then they crash hard, and they get bitter, and they ultimately end up like me. That's the fun thing. <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> now, if you're Zach Wilson, good for you. You make it, but there's a slew of them that don't make it. And even if you make it, you can end up being bitter. I mean, John Beck made it, but he didn't make it. You know, he talks about how he had visions of playing till he was 40. He didn't even make it till he was 30. At some point, you're <laughs> going to be told, thanks, the door's on your right. Now, you may be Tom Brady and be sitting on six, seven, or eight Super Bowls. Well, then you're fine. Ah, uh, he'll still cry when it's over. It'll yeah, still, but, It always but, breaks your heart. And he'll have the uh, best story possible. Come on, we've seen Hall of Famers cry at the press conferences at the end. It was awesome. It's over and well, it sucks. Yeah, sure. Because you're thinking about all, but it's not. I don't think it's the cry isn't necessarily out of bitterness. It's just the sentimentality of it all. And yeah, I get that. I appreciate that. That's why I, listen, I like to listen to Hall of Fame speeches because it's all about reflection. Uh, so it is the whole system is just a grinder, and it's just you got to figure out how to play it. To your advantage, and what? And you may, may, you may, 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 you may, may, you possibly could make wrong moves along the way. Eliminate the M's there. Easier to say, but in in a moment like this, Costelli kid and his parents probably thinking this is the right thing to do. Whether whether it is or not, I have no idea. But they think it is. So how do you judge them and say, well, and uh, Brewer? I knew from the beginning it wasn't good enough. and I, The spring game notwithstanding. It just didn't seem like he had it to me. And so he gets his father involved, and then they're out the door on the Monday. It seems slimy, but then they're doing what they think is best. 
So we have to realize as a group then, as fans, that it's all transactional. The warm feelings and all that stuff, that's basically just us for us. It's concocted uh, like fan adoration. The players are looking for the best opportunity to make themselves the best to get them to the NFL. Yeah. And the coaches are looking for the best payday before somebody walks into their office and tells them to get out. I don't care about you anymore. Or if they Hit think the they can win jack. higher more at another place. Yeah. Which clearly what Kelly did. He's 12-1 and one and he's going to LSU. He thinks he can win bigger there. Probably can. You probably can. There's more football players per square mile in that part of the U.S. than there's a part of the U.S. he's coaching right now. Oh, Louisiana? You don't even yeah. need to go out of the state. No, you don't. There's awesome players in Louisiana. Yeah. But you still can go to Texas, especially now there's going to be two SEC teams in Texas. Of course. And it's right next door. Easily. So that's a whole lot different than getting people to fly up to South Bend and go to school there. Mm-hmm. Academic requirements are lower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are facts. Right. And then look how many titles the Big Ten and Notre Dame have over the last 20 years, and look how many SEC schools have I gotcha. over the last 20 years. Yeah. So, so I get where he's coming from at 60 years of age wanting to do this. David says money, money, and more money. It makes you wonder if we will ever figure out that they have us fans figured out. Oh, that's the, that's the truth right there. And the fans get suckered in, man. There's going to be thousands of you driving down I-15 here at the end of the week. And if I was a fan of the program, I'd be doing it too. I'll be doing it from. But if a you have a good capacity. time, are you really suckered in? If you go down there with friends or family, or meet up with friends or family, or coming up from and if you're Phoenix suckered or LA, in, you don't care. Yeah. Even if you know you're suckered in, you don't care. Well, maybe you're not suckered in. It's a transaction, and you're okay with it. Mm, yeah, I th- but I don't know. I, I think they view that these are our guys. There is a lot of that. I don't know that everybody does. That David doesn't. Mm. I don't know. I can right because I've won one. over a few converts. <laughs> Speaking your language, you now. are a leader. See, I am you not a leader. Not. I'm not well, a leader. if you've won over converts, you're a leader. You can't have it no, both ways. I just persist lo- lo- long and loud enough. That's what leadership is. Sometimes, my form of it. Don't follow me. Dylan Carley, former BYU wide receiver, joined us in 15 minutes right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's been a wild ride for Blake Anderson and the Utah State Aggies as the Aggies have punched their ticket to the Mountain West Conference Championship game. The Aggies head to Southern California to square off against San Diego State for their first ever Mountain Mountain West West title. Catch all the play-by-play action this Saturday, beginning with the Aggie pregame show at noon, right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Zone Sports Network. Network. Join Unrivaled with Alex Curie and Scott Mitchell Friday from 3 to 6 at the Hot Tub Factory Outlet Holiday Sale in Draper next to Cowabunga Bay. 12101 Factory Outlet Drive. That's 121st South Factory Outlet Drive. Dylan Cauley's coming up. We're talking Cougar football, and we'll talk with him. A guy who's transferred and a guy who's seen coaching changes during his career. We'll talk with him about all the stuff going on as college football uh, <laughs> hits a whole new level in the coaching carousel. We'll do that coming up next. But first, the Jazz beat the Pelicans last night. Heading into December now with a 14-7 and record, which, while pretty good, it's a 55-win pace. Probably not what everyone expected or hoped for out of them so far. 
But as you've pointed out, there could be a big old 17-3 and tear coming. There have been enough of them in previous years under Quinn Snyder. There could be another one this year. That's not a stretch. But a lot of this is, well, look how they compare to the Suns and Warriors. The Suns on a 16-game win streak. The Warriors winning 90% of their games. Yeah, but they're games. not going to keep that up. So, so be within shouting distance, so when they, when they don't keep it up. When they inevitably slip up and lose some games. Yeah. Is Chris could, Paul going to play 82? Is Curry going to play 82? Right now, the Suns are on pace for about 70 wins and the Warriors for 74. Oh, come on. I know, right. They've got to slow Th- that's, down. That's uh, Sosa, McGuire, and these dudes hitting 60 home runs. So that's if, steroid pace. So if they slow down a little and you speed up, then that three and a half games you're behind Phoenix and four and a half you're behind the Warriors could tighten up. And then beat them once in the playoffs on the road and you got home court. And we'd really like to see them go head-to-head, but uh, we get some games to get through before we get to that. They see the Warriors New Year's Day, and I don't know when they see the Suns, but it's after that. I hope to see the Suns every day. (laughs) (laughs) And even the regular season games don't guarantee what will happen in the playoffs, but it gives you a hint. Uh, To me, it's about the Jazz. It's not about the Warriors or the Suns yet. If we're in January, pushing February, and they're still rolling along at the 750-plus pace, well, okay, maybe something's there. Uh, but good for them. You know, and I haven't analyzed the schedules and who's had the softer and this and that and less back, fewer back-to-backs and all that stuff. Nor am I going to do that because it's all going to flush out at the end. I'm more focused on the Jazz playing the kind of ball that they can play. That's the most important thing because that really is where you're at. And if the season will end at some point, And if you say to yourself, well, you pretty much got about as much as you can get out of it, then you can live with it. I think the Suns losing in the finals last year pretty much got all that they could get out of it. I mean, it was a brand new team in a sense, the second year coach and uh, the integral part in the first season. So I can live with that. You know, what you don't want is the underachieving. And that's where Locke is always, you know. Mm-hmm. Making sure the Jazz don't underachieve because that's like the worst thing that can happen is underachieve, right? And let's see where they're at. To me, it's about the team that I focus on and how they play. And against Portland, they played so well and they did the things that make them successful. That's the most important thing. We all see these teams as if you watch a team as much as we all do, listeners included, we know how they win, right? And so we see, I think, the Portland game, and maybe because it's fresh in my mind, was about the best example of how they are comprised to win games. The formula for the Jazz. It was on full display against a halfway decent team. And what made it sweeter is the club hasn't been playing that well of late. So they did. That's a big-time positive sign is to see them play well and put together a couple of games. To see that New Orleans loss to just really, really irritate them. And and they're pretty good, especially Mitchell. You know, you can see it in his facial expressions and whatnot. Conley's more of an even dude, win or lose. You know, he's the, he's the savvy veteran guy. Because he is the savvy yeah, veteran guy. He's not going to go crazy either way, you know. So he's going to be analytical in his responses. Uh, and, and Quinn Snyder's the leader, so he has to be careful not to have extreme highs or lows himself. And so you expect that. Mitchell Mitchell is about the, of all the guys on the team, he's about the most vulnerable. 
and the most real. He swears a lot now in the post game. He you know, he didn't used to do that. I'm personally I'm offended. You are not. <laughs> You're in favor of You were also offended Saturday night when a certain student section was also chinning. That's out of line. I mean you should never do that, but you can dump on that group of people that's been proven a thousand times over. Uh no, I appreciate his honesty. And so he sort of wears the emotion a little bit out there. And you could tell he was irritated, right? So what do they do? They come back and they just destroy two opponents. That's positive. Now do it 18 more times. 18, put together a 20-game winning streak. Wow. That would, okay, you don't have to do a 20-game win streak. 20-game winning streaks. That, know, that, that's pretty impressive. And the Suns are at 16, but it was preceded by a 1-3. and three. So it just doesn't matter to me whether you win 16 in a row. After oh, yeah, one and, and three, I listened to Phoenix Radio. The, they were calling to fire Monty Williams at 1-3. and three. <laughs> Were they really? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> that would be outrageous. No, but there was a little concern, obviously. Well, there should be concern. When you lose three out of four, there should be concern. And you're a finals team, yeah. And then you right. roll out 16 in a row? Well, it, you think you're a finals team. Now, they are obviously well, they coming off of finals, finals and they think they're going to do it again. But the Jazz have not been to the finals. But they think they're a finals team. And if they lose three out of four and they lost five out of nine, there should be concern. But concern isn't the same thing as calling for somebody to be fired. No, I was just uh, making a, you know, that that's outrageous. I think the Suns got, uh, they've got uh, the Warriors coming up here. I'm looking at the schedule. I'm going to call up the schedule right now. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there it is. As TNT. Recently, as tonight. Tonight, 8 o'clock. Yeah, TNT. I'm going to be watching that ball game. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. College football, the coaching carousel, $100 million for you, $100 million for you. USC and LSU stealing coaches from Oklahoma and Notre Dame. Is there any loyalty? Do the players care? Are they getting taken? Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, joins us next. We'll ask him. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Going to talk college football with Dylan Cauley in just a minute. Former BYU wide receiver, former Hawaii wide receiver, guy who uh, transferred twice during his career. And while he was in Hawaii, there was a coaching change. So the turmoil of college athletics he is, he is familiar with. Sure, yeah. And, I, and I, I think as long as you go into it with your eyes wide open, you can negotiate it. And I think in these days, players do. Hence, we have quarterbacks uh, quitting after one season yeah, and, and transferring. Think, and, and that's that. That's unique to that position. Uh, you know, you can be a backup running back your you first year or two. Oh yeah, and then, and then if you're good enough, you can take over the spot. Um, and multiple guys play, and you get yeah. in on special teams. Yeah. You're not just standing there the whole time, never breaking a sweat, except for warmups. I don't know if it's the right thing, but I understand why these kids, these quarterbacks, are just bouncing around almost just for some of them nonstop. And because you think you're doing the right thing, you coming at it from a place of selfishness, but yeah, if you don't look out for yourself, who's going to do it? Nobody. Yeah, because uh, coaches will bury you if they think they got another guy. Yeah, I can recall Aaron Roderick saying multiple times, "I'm paid to win games. That's that, how I keep my job." That's a so, true story. So I have to play the person who I think is best. If and I've got three or four of them, five of them, 
hell, he was joking to me. I talked to him when they got that Finnegan kid from Boise, and I said, what are you doing here, man? He, he's, I'm, I'd take 10 if I could get him. You know, because the better, more competition, the more, better chance you have to have a real they, good player. They've had multiple seasons the last decade where they started three different guys. Yeah, and so you let them compete, and if the other guys want to leave, they leave. But you can't really worry about that. You're paid to win games, so it's all cutthroat here. That's why I'm so glad these kids can finally cash in, because it never was about the student-athlete. It's about the athlete. A hundred percent. Yeah, and go, I need you to win me games, because if you don't, I get, is, and, he, and why, A-Rod got canned. This is not a new development. <laughs> no. It's been a, the money's it's more getting prominent bigger. now. It's out. Right. It's out in the open now. We're seeing but the outrageousness it, of it now in this in the last forty eight hours. But when Urban Meyer was at Utah, he said, "I wish kids cared who the biology professor was." But it's about two things: the swoosh at ESPN. Kids want to be on TV, especially in that era. There's more games on TV now than there were. Pretty then. much everything is. Yeah. Yeah, but in that era. They wanted to be on ESPN. That yeah. was the era of the mountain. Uh-huh. They wanted to yeah, be on ESPN. Joke. They wanted to be on ESPN. Yeah, yeah. And they wanted the swoosh. The Oregon uniforms were taken off. And I think that's what they have. I'm glad that the the seediness of it is being exposed more. I don't think it's going to reduce any fans' commitment and passion. Because if you went to the games with your father, and you're by far not even close to the only one. There's literally hundreds of thousands that had your upbringing in terms of that's how they became the fan. Whether they go to the school or not, doesn't matter. That's how they, they become the fan. They live in the area. Yeah. For the most part. The yeah. BYU, Notre Dame, and the service academies, yeah. they're different. Right. But for all the state schools... Right. Which are the vast majority. And that's how they become fans. I have dear friends who went to Utah games with their father, Mm -hmm. and that's how they became, and they're lifelong fans. And they don't care who the coach is. They just want them to win. So I think that fans are aware of it. But if you're winning, it, it... doesn't matter all that other stuff as long as you're not just flagrantly violating the rules you know what i mean you got you got to have some form of clean about you uh and i mean ultimately that's what did sean miller in right it's just you're you're flagrantly violating keep it on the down low and everything's okay (laughs) but don't 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 be recorded (laughs) and you know you're dropping f-bombs and then everybody can hear it about about all this stuff that that's the seediness of it all, um, and then and, and if you win, you're, you're good to go. And if you don't win, well, then the funny thing is you don't have any loyalty to that that uh, person anyway. Now I got a good friend, and I was teasing him just the other day. You know, he was uh, Whittingham's offense two years ago against Oregon wasn't good enough. Oh man, we're gonna make the playoff next year. Look at all these young guys. I laugh at him. I said. Two years ago, you wanted this guy gone because <laughs> he had taken him as far as you could go. Very good, but not good enough. And you got the taste of it, and you want more. Well, now we got to. No, he ain't retiring. We got a shot to make the playoffs next year. <laughs> I said last season you wanted him gone. No, I didn't. I said yes, you did because last season doesn't count. Last year didn't count. It wasn't a season. So the the last season. 
you are saying that's it. It's time to make a change. So now one season later, because last season doesn't count, right? So I can say the last season, which was 19, right? You're changing rules, but you got an argument. I get where you're going. You can't judge 20. Come on. Waste of time. And now literally the next full season, we're going to playoff, man. (laughs) 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 I guess the thing that I don't understand completely because I've, I've not been in that situation is how your self-esteem and your mood and all those things involved can be altered that's by where I'm winning not, I'm or just, losing of a college team. I'm that, just, that's the where I don't really get it. Yeah, I'm just not the right test case for you there. Yeah. I can't explain that to you. And, and maybe it's because in the industry you see so many games and you meet so many people and you get it. I mean, here people love the red or love the blue. And if you say anything that crosses whatever they think or believe, there's a percentage of them that just blow up on Twitter, and you can't even say the stuff that they tweet at you. Effing imbecile. (laughs) I got that this week. For who? Uh, That was a Ute fan who sent it to me. Uh, To you about you? Yes. They called me an effing imbecile. Oh, well, I agree. (laughs) Thanks, coach. (laughs) <laughs> no, that's 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 reasonable. <laughs> sure it is. I can see that. Uh, and they'll they'll attack your career, they'll attack whatever. They just I don't know. <laughs> They're so into it. I don't I don't completely get it. But yet some people understand that I am way too into this. But yet they still it sucks them in. You saw that, I don't know if you, at least I did, the Ohio State older guy looked like he was on a front row. He was leaning over the railing, and he just looked like he just got the worst news ever. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Scotty said this guy's going to be a uh, a meme in about three seconds, and then later he tweeted out, there it is, because I wasn't watching when it happened. I didn't watch as much football on my trip as you think I did, and so (laughs) I missed that, but I I saw the clip later, and... But the thing is, I, I also, I did see that, but I didn't know that he was over the top. Like that, like he's really disappointed. It seems like, right. He lost a really big game, but he's still in the stadium. He's not yelling at anybody. He's not cussing anybody out. No, 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 no. You know, it's like, if you want to be really sad about that game for 15 minutes, and then you drive your car and drive home for, well, it was a road game, right? So assuming he's made the trip up and he doesn't live locally and among the enemy, and you drive home for, I don't know what it is, two, three, four hours, whatever it is. That, to me, isn't over the top. Mm, I mean, you're 10-2. and two. Yeah, and for them, that's a down year. And it sucks. Yeah, he but loved you, but you can't Michigan. go to playoff every year. I agree, and you can't beat Michigan every year. And they beat them eight in a row. If you're an Ohio State fan, you got to love life. And he does. But he gets to be sad for 15 <laughs> minutes after a big loss. That's not too much. And he didn't yell at anybody. He wasn't well, one of those idiots. don't know what he did or didn't do. Well, in that moment, he wasn't. And so I'm only going off that. But in that moment, he wasn't starting to fight. He wasn't yelling at anybody. He just looked down because his team lost. He may have dropped a Maize and Blue fan. And if he did, that would be wrong. <laughs> but he didn't look like, to me, like the kind of guy who was going to do that. <laughs> I mean, it was funny. And it was a meme. Yeah. But like, if that's the height of your fandom, that's okay. Big deal. Uh, yeah, that seems a little bit excessive for me, but that's just my opinion. But at the but same time... But the idiots time, starting fights in stadiums that we see well, all drunk. the time... Yeah, but that's another story. But their team's losing, too. Usually. 
Not always. You're right. Some of them are just looking to. They, uh, some people must. Just well, be going but, but yeah, but there's a winner his... and loser in every game, right? So, and when they start those fights, there's always going. If you have a sixty thousand seat stadium, not literally not every single soul right, is yeah. for the same team. So you're going to have somebody from the opposing team. Yep. That's that's beyond over the top. That's absolutely one thousand times unacceptable. But that's the that's why. Not the fighting, but that fan, that Ohio State guy, that's why they can get these enormous amounts of money. Yeah. Yep. And I joke. Who was I? Well, I, that's one reason. I mean, another I reason. I think it's even, a large reason. But even casual fans like you, they're getting a lot of money from TV networks. They're getting a lot of money out of the cable fees. So they're getting money out of you and I. Well, you don't even, you're not writing $25 checks to ASU unless they go to the Rose Bowl. We know 20. that. Okay, $20 checks. <laughs> but they're still getting a lot of money out of you because they're getting money out <laughs> of your, your cable and satellites. They got, a, they got my money when I was there. Now that I, I got rid of the home line. They can't find you. They can't, no. I, I'm, Elusive. They used to call three times a week. Because then I used to answer it. They're and better than UC Santa Barbara after I moved a couple times. They couldn't find me oh, anymore. They found me. Because they, still, they still mail me stuff. I never gave them my address. Yeah, no, nobody's mailing. Yeah, they haven't found me. Oh, I, I not. Your development I, people are better than our development. I get here, so. the ASU General Magazine and the Cronkite Magazine. I told you the story. Yeah. Of my wife when the Cronkite. I can't believe came. she didn't know that. I give her credit for being pretty savvy. She didn't know Cronkite School I, of Journalism. Why would she? She lived in Arizona. It's all over the place. It's on billboards. I, I think, see advertisements for it. I don't think she it. paid a lick of attention. Well, clearly. No, I agree <laughs> because she didn't know. And I'm a blowhard. I make crap up. I know that, too. So she thought I just picked out the most famous. No, I didn't pick out. He picked me. He wanted to be associated with me. <sighs> okay. And that was a win for him because look <laughs> at me now, Mama. Okay. All right. Look where I am now. Still, to this day, unbelievable. I pinch myself. I got a bunch of bruises on my wrist. I'm constantly pinching myself. I can't believe it. I have made it to this level. I am such a star, it's beyond belief. You done? You good? I I think I got another 15 years in me. You do, if you choose. (laughs) Well, if the people want it. If, not, 9 o'clock PK at his best here. If they want it, <laughs> uh, and let, get, let us know now. If you want me to stay another 15, I will. Yeah, Twitter exploding. Because of the cause, I will. How long do you want PK to continue to do this? Let's put it out there right now. And whatever the majority is, and I won't claim fraud... And no, we won't have to have all hanging chads and, and uh, you know, explosions here and there. No, I'll believe in the system. How long do they want me? Because if they want me, I'm going to be there for them because they've been there for me. It's like two dogs ago in our household. <laughs> it would. Ten years ago, four months ago, two dogs ago. Yeah, it was two <laughs> dogs measuring ago. Measuring time by dogs. Two dogs ago, it was the f- uh, first Pac-12 title game in our household. And my wife and I and, and Monson and his wife, we're going to go to the Bay Area, right? And we're going to go to the game and we got to cover it. 
and then we'll stay up there for the weekend, right? Well, literally the day we're leaving, we get a diagnosis that the dog has cancer. And so I go home, and she's just beside herself. He's got cancer. We're scheduled to leave in two hours. Well, I got to go to the airport. I got to go. What are you going to do? And, and, and like, what, four or five years earlier, my wife had a serious issue of cancer. And the dog spent six months in bed with her. I mean, I got pictures, mm-hmm. right? Literally laying on her. It's amazing what dogs know. And she says, he was there with my cancer. I'm going to be there for his. And she didn't go. All right. Well, that's the way I feel with our listeners. They were there for me in the early Rocky years. But now the glory years are here. And if they still want me, I'll stay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Brian Kelly. Well, no, I'm not. I'm loyal to my yeah. to our fans. I mean, another, they're mostly your fans. Another radio station gave you $100 million to be gone. $100 million? And I, I, Now the reports are it's 95 Is that different? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but now we're over this new folks. I mean, they got like $9 trillion over there and somewhere, right, Yach? That's what you people say. They'll, they'll match it. Sweet. Good I'm, for you. I'm good to go. Good for you. Hey, I read the Tribune website. I see all the stuff they got over there. <laughs> there you go. Now they're not going to match it to that crack. You just ruined everything. There you it was all set up, and don't, then you don't had to blame go it on and me. I, I just go on the website. What do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> All right, DJ PK, what happened to Dylan Cauley? He didn't want to talk about a win over USC? I, was sent, I don't even know who you are anymore, I Dylan. I voicemail, so... Don't worry, I covered it. Had no idea where we were going, but we got there. All right, well, see if Dylan shows up in the next segment. We don't have GPS on this show. (laughs) (laughs) It's a winding path, there's no doubt about that. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. For Kyle Whittingham and the Utes, it all comes down to this. It's the Pac-12 championship game in Las Vegas as the Utes look to claim their first ever Pac-12 title. The Zone Sports Network will be in Las Vegas with nonstop blowout the budget coverage of the Utes as they battle Oregon for a spot in the Rose Bowl. Your home for the best coverage of the Utes in the Pac-12 championship game is right Right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, we are brought to you in part by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call or visit Lee'sHeatAC.com now to schedule a free in-home estimate or free second opinion. All right, normally we do the uh, feedback in the next segment, and we will, but we need a little more time for some of this. (laughs) (laughs) It's for life. Whoa unto the liar, in quotes. First off, I love any tweet that starts, Whoa unto the liar. <laughs> I think it's just whoa. <laughs> W-O-A-H. I prefer to think of it as whoa, but you're probably <laughs> right. Whoa unto the liar, PK. You don't understand the emotion from a win. Go look at your tweets after a BYU victory. You're a fanboy with credentials. I, when BYU wins, I get drunk on life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We can, for the thousandth time, tell you the truth about how it really is. 
I'm I've been blue my whole life, man. I I fit You're the lying. profile. You're lying. <laughs> now, woe unto you, the liar. I like woa. Woa. <laughs> unto the liar. I am a liar. The teams don't matter as much. You get to know the people. No, not this time. Yes. No, I'm hardcore BYU. Let him think what he thinks. That means he was listening. Oh, I know that. Yes. <laughs> I'm with you on that. But I think he's going to listen. Most of the people who tweet back at you and say they're not listening, they're, they're like, I stopped listening to you years ago. Well, the best part of it is that you could say years ago. That means I've been doing it for years. Yeah! <laughs> it's a killer job. I love it. Uh, it, it. I have to admit, it amazes me after all this time, he thinks I'm a hardcore cougar. But or great. that you're a hardcore you. Either way. But in this case, that's what we got. Look at my tweets afterward. Absolutely. You tweet, I, I met you him tweet, at the airport you, when they beat Oregon in basketball. You that's tweet, why I was a little cranky the next morning. You tweak people. <laughs> you were cranky the next morning, but that's not why. <laughs> I tweak people or do I tweet you people? You tweak people all the time on Twitter. <laughs> that's what it's there Nothing for. Nothing you say on Twitter should be taken to face value. And that's the truth. <laughs> Oh, shoot. That's funny that he would think that. That, that, that makes my day. That means it's working. <laughs> you like Kyle. You like Kalani. You like A-Rod. And you like Morgan Scally. Everybody now, you, does. You may like, and that's largely true, actually. <laughs> now, you may like more people than that. That's I not like a complete Aki. list. Oh, yes, 100%. <laughs> yes, and he should be in that group. You're right. And you like these guys, and you text with these guys. Not limited to these guys. You text with other people, too. Other people in positions of power. Yeah, I want them all to win. That's where I've gone soft. Yes. But I'll admit it. Yes. I want them all to have success. When you were in newspaper, subscriptions didn't move, and web hits weren't, hits on a website were not a thing. Didn't, weren't invented, no. Right. And now... Hits on a website are real important. People are getting judged, moved on off the beats because of them. Not necessarily because of a reporter's performance, but because now management sees, oh, that isn't generating well, any traffic it, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you see, you used to see it a little bit. You would see it in L.A. when the Clippers, they'd, get, they'd be on the front page at the start of the year, but by game 20 when they were 5-15, and 15, they'd be buried inside. Yeah. And by game 60, they may not even have a beat rider. They'd just take three paragraphs off AP. And then they'd start over the next year and treat them like they were a big deal and go through the same process. So it happened a little bit before, but now it happens a lot. Yeah, business has changed that way. Yeah, right. And you you allocate your resources in a different accordingly. Way. Yeah. yeah, accordingly. That's for sure. And TV and radio have always done it because they've always been subject to ratings. Yeah, and have always been known and and aware of it because once you see layoffs, whether it's you or it's a friend or it's a coworker. Yeah, but I don't think that that I'm I'm unusual at all. You're not. I think that most folks in my position with the longevity, you end up knowing people and you end up, if you don't like them, that's one thing, but you end up liking them. And most of our guys and even the, the, the female coaches in town, they're, they're so likable. Mm-hmm. They're, they're great people. I mean, I'm going to root for Utah women's volleyball. Because you've talked to Beth Lanier over the years. Many times over. I've yeah. covered her games, on NCAA tournament games on the road when I was with the Watchdog. Yeah. I'm going to root for her volleyball team 
to take it as far as they can go, whatever that is, Sweet 16, Elite 8, whatever it might be. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, I root for those folks to have success. But I, I think that's part of the deal. As you, If you're in the same area for that long, you end up doing that. I don't, I don't think that's unusual whatsoever. I think that's just a normal process. People, in the end, that's really all you have is relationships. And we've both seen plenty. Well, everybody in the local media has seen uh, people change jobs and change the color of the T-shirt they wear to practice. But they're the same person. And I've seen people get fired and it sucks. Of course. (laughs) I mean, I was pretty close to Jackaletti. Uh-huh. And when he got fired, it sucked. It it sucked to the point where I was having breakfast with him and I walked out without paying. Because Dine and Dash. Yeah, I did. But you were so caught up in the discussion with him and the emotion of everything. Yes, yes. A sweet sixteen and two years later gone. Yeah, yeah. Which would be a rare for this market would be a yeah. rare foray into the big time. Yeah. That doesn't usually happen here. Usually you get the third year here. Right, right. And so when he got canned... Croton got the third year. I felt so awful that I literally committed a crime (laughs) in (laughs) Vegas down at the conference tournament. Yeah, I did. True story. And I didn't even realize it until the next day I went back for breakfast and the guy says, hey, you didn't pay yesterday. Oh. Crap. And the funny thing, I'm on a company credit card. You weren't even getting ahead. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, your money. Right. It was not my money. No. No. And that's how bad I felt for Ray. And I walked out with him. So what'd you do? Just hand the waiter the credit card? He wouldn't take it. Oh, really? He believed me. And he said, don't worry about it. Oh, you saw I was with a friend who just got fired. I was completely out of my mind. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll pay for it now. Yeah. Just bill me double. Yeah. And he's and he and that was obvious I was telling the truth. Yeah. And he said, nah, don't worry about it. Huh. Yeah. And it was a company credit card. Yeah. And it's not coming out of my wallet. Yeah. I'm pretty generous when I got a company credit card. <laughs> <laughs> steak and eggs, steak sandwich. Uh, steak and uh, potatoes. <laughs> All right. That's a, one of the best things about not being a beak guy anymore is that uh, it's easier on the waistline. All right. Yeah, you're not. You're not uh, on you gotta the pay, road you gotta, eating whatever. Got to pay for your own meals. <laughs> so, but good for him if he thinks I'm a cougar. Fine. I don't. That's that's and the, the reality is I am, but I'm no more a cougar than I am a Ute. And I'm even rooting for Utah State, and I don't really have a relationship with Blake Anderson whatsoever. But I know it means something to Scotty. And as much as Scotty just disgusts me, I know it means <laughs> something to him. <laughs> it never hurts to have one more team win. Oh, for sure. It never hurts. Yeah. So, go get them. Have your nine-win season. Sweet. And, and Riley Jensen's an Aggie fan. I mean, come on. He's... You're going to root against them. That doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, Riley's classic when it comes to the Aggies. I'll, I'll never forget once, it was in the early days of the show, and we'd have him on the air as the Aggie end of the bleachers. Yeah. And at that point, I mean, he's completely changed his career arc and everything. At that point, he was selling sports talk radio. Right. And was literally sitting at the cubicle outside the door. And, and, uh, and they had some crowd of, like, 
12,000 or something. And I'm like, how do, how do you only have 12? And they weren't good. I mean, this was a different era. They didn't have the facilities they have now. They didn't have the conference they have now. They weren't winning like they are now. I mean, it was a slog. There was not nearly as much hope as the there is now. Bad times, yeah. yeah. And, and, but how do you only have 12,000 there? I mean, everybody doesn't like take two college friends up there. And he's like, David, there's really only 6,000 of us. That's how we got to 12,000. We're already doing that. Hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Hilarious. And probably true. It's just good for biz when they win. Oh, we got more people uh, tweeting at us here. Uh, Greg, we all just need to know what those mean USC students chanted. Fetch BYU or worse? I, I thought that is worse. what they were chanting. I think it was the big one. It's fetch, yes. I mean, I've heard it on the road with the Cougars. Sure. Not the first time. No. Yeah. But are they going to hear in the Big 12? Because they're new there? Yes. You hear that in the West? I heard it at Texas a couple years ago. Uh, I was down there. Oh, really? Yeah. It wasn't a huge group, but... I don't think the animus will be there at the start. I mean, you saw Baylor and BYU hugging. Mm-hmm. But Baylor won. I know, but they did it before the game. Like that was it homecoming. Okay, so there's the no animus because it's the first time they're playing. Well, the first time in a long time they play back in the eighties. I got you. It was but homecoming. They had Tom Homo yeah, in yeah. the program. It's the first yeah, time yeah, in a long time. Welcome to the conference. And then Baylor won, so there's no animus. But, but they didn't go when there you, and win. When you go on the road and you got ten thousand or more of your fans there, and you win, the animus starts pretty quickly. Right, because it's so dang noticeable. Yeah. And it's great. I don't. I've never been in a. I've been in Big Twelve stadiums, but I've never been when it didn't involve BYU. So meaning, I've yeah, never, you haven't been in a Kansas State Texas Tech game. Yeah, and so what? I don't know how those fans travel in a conference game. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and but, it's probably different depending on the team and how long the trip but is. But I, I, that conference is spread out now. I understand. Oh, for sure. You got the yeah, West Virginia to Iowa down, State's a little down bit down of a hard. Yeah. And and Cincinnati is uh, Eastern time zone also. Mm-hmm. I, I it's hard for me to imagine that there'll be more fans of any other team on the road than B- what BYU will do. Oh, I completely agree. BYU will, BYU will be the best traveling team in the league. I, I'm I'm not sure about Oklahoma or Texas though. Well, they're going to be gone. I know, but it, but using them as the example. So I guess, yeah, with them being gone. With but them Oklahoma, gone. But Oklahoma State. Yeah. Somebody's got an opportunity to dominate that conference. Because Oklahoma's dominated the conference. Well, Oklahoma State's done the most winning, and Baylor right behind them. But I don't know what their fan bases are in terms of travel. TCU with a new coach, it's a wild card. We haven't seen them um, win with multiple yeah, coaches. Yeah, but TCU, I've been to their games. And they don't drop it. No. No. I've been to plenty of their games. Because they were in the Mountain West. Mm-hmm. I've been in that stadium many times. I've been in that basketball arena many times. And I've been there with BYU in basketball. And BYU has as many fans as oh, TCU. Way more. Yeah. Yeah, way more. When Dave Rose had some good teams, uh, they they conducted like, a, and it wasn't a fireside, but it was a chat with the fans. Because I'm sitting there press row, and there's BYU administration after the game talking to the fans. It wasn't a a spiritual thing. It was more of a, a athletic, yeah, athletic thing. thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Man, but these are fans, and 
either boosters and or potential boosters. So absolutely, right. and they won the game. So everyone spent a few great. minutes with them. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they they turn out in such great numbers. I mean, you heard it uh, Saturday night. I did not go to the game. I watched it on television. And uh, who, who who did the game Saturday night? Uh, whoever it was, ESPN. Uh, yeah, and that Gilmore. They kept talking about the number of fans there. Mm-hmm. Well, the rest of us like, well, duh. I've been in the Coliseum when BYU played there. I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes. I know that's the way it's going to be. And that was uh, that was in what '03, the second of their three consecutive losing seasons. They weren't exactly on top of the world like they are now. And tickets were harder to come by because SC was on top were, of the world. Yeah, I think there was like seventy-five, eighty thousand in that, something like that. And uh, now it's a different deal. As he was down, there are plenty of good seats still available. Yeah, and it's such a cavernous uh, venue anyway. It's rarely sold out unless it's uh, you know Notre Dame and the Crosstown Rivals. They've got that thing going on, too. Uh, but, yeah. If USC is undefeated, and former USC assistant coach, if USC is undefeated and kicking off at 6 o'clock, then the place will be full. So they don't really want to come at 7.30. They certainly don't want to come at 1.30. Uh, depending on what time of year. That was the take of a former USC assistant coach. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if they play the Bruins at one thirty, I've been in that stadium. The Bruins at one thirty can do it. Yes, I've if they're covered both good. games yeah. there at that time in which it was. Packed. I had a UCLA fan offer me a, a ticket, and I went to a game and sat in the peristyle end. You're a long way away from the football game. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, the way it's constructed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a, you're a long way away, but that's how full it was, and that's where they stuck the UCLA. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's a UCLA guy and had tickets for 20 years. And So the bottom line, to bring it around, is I am absolutely a Cougar fan, and I, am, I may quit just so I can travel on the road with the Cougars in the Big 12. So all you people who want me to stay, and I understand the, the tweets have been flooding in. It's overwhelming Manhattan's to stay. Manhattan's calling your name. Yeah. Well, I'd go to Hades with my Cougars. DJ PK, your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. It's been a wild ride for Blake Anderson and the Utah State Aggies. As the Aggies have punched their ticket to the Mountain West Conference Championship game, the Aggies head to Southern California to square off against San Diego State for their first ever Mountain Mountain West West title. title. Catch all the play-by-play action this Saturday, beginning with the Aggie pregame show at noon, right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Zone Sports Network. Network. Join Unrivaled with Alex Keery and Scott Mitchell Friday from 3 to 6 at the Hot Tub Factory Outlet Holiday Sale in Draper next to Cowabunga Bay. 12101 Factory Outlet Drive, 121st South Factory Outlet Drive. Your feedback, Greg says, I've been a loyal listener to DJ and PK from day one. When buddies would say they couldn't stand that PK guy, I'd say, (laughs) give him a few weeks. He's only a fake jerk. You're a fake jerk. You nice. fake jerk, you. Who was that, Greg, you say? Yeah. <laughs> Greg Dorius. Uses his name on uh, Twitter and everything. Well, then he deserves some, mention. As opposed to some anonymous handle. If that's his name, that's his real name, then yeah. Tim Lacombs wanting 15 more years. He, he got at me. Mike says, how about 15 more days? Yeah, see? One sent to the Zone's Twitter feed says, we've suffered for 15 years already. What's another 15? (laughs) (laughs) 
That came from Aaron. That's the, that one. <laughs> now I'm getting uh, I'm getting tagged in tweets here from a Jacob C. Hatch. <laughs> I know who he is. Screw that guy. <laughs> Trevor says, why don't BYU and Notre Dame try to get a game, an independent champ, to bolster their resumes for this upcoming weekend? They pulled it off with Coastal Carolina last year. Thoughts? Jake's oh. on board with the idea. He says those games are outliers, unfortunately. I have your back and wanting it to happen as well. How many times have I stood in the hallway wasting 20 minutes of your life unwilling to go away? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> How many years have I been doing that for? Well, I've been with you guys, and we're going on nine years with you two, so it's been a lot. Let's probably half of that time. Probably. They just need to play week 13 in Canada. They should. It's perfect. Notre Dame wouldn't have a coach, so I guess it's not perfect. They'll have a coach. Going to promote the defensive coordinator? That's I'm the all early rumor. 35 years old. Freeman is his name, right? S- stay in house, have some continuity. And if they want Fickle, well, he's at Cincinnati getting ready for the playoffs. He's Fickle. Why would you want Fickle? Because he's really good. Yeah, but he's Fickle. But he's going into the Big 12. Ah, they already did that with the Cincinnati thing. They did. That's exactly where they got Brian Kelly. He did, what, at least three, no, maybe four years at Cincinnati. I would love to see this, this young fella get promoted. That's his name, Freeman, right? Marcus Freeman? Marcus Freeman. Uh, yeah, played Ohio State linebacker. 34, 35, somewhere 35, I looked it up. Yeah, that would be sweet. That'd be great. He and Lincoln Riley, two young guys in charge of big-time programs. Love to see guys get chances. All right, any final thoughts you want to share with the people? Yes, I really believe that the uh, love you take is equal to the love you make. <laughs> You want to make fun of Jake for a minute here at the end of the show? <laughs> Set things up for the next show? <laughs> the other Jake, not our Jake. Not we, Yak. We were golfing with Jake Scott. Yak. Not Yak, Amy. Yak, you got to hear this. So we're golfing with, uh, with Jake yesterday. And Gordon. And Gordon. Okay. And, and Jake decides to climb out on the limb by himself that the Beatles are overrated. Well, Gordon has been watching this uh, series that they got going. The yeah. Apple documentary yeah. series, it's right? Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Gordon's watching. He's very impressed. And, and <laughs> Jake drops their overrated. Was that at like the second or third hole? It was early. It was the third tee. It was the third tee. Okay, so did we play nine or 18? Let's also get that out of the way. Uh, Jake played nine and the rest of us played 18. Okay. And by the fourth hole, who had Beatles tunes cranked out of his cart? <laughs> Guessing a certain Patrick Jake in a hand. He pissed me off. Clearly. I don't know that everybody <laughs> Let else. It be. I don't know that everybody Let else at Old Mill wanted to hear that, but they got to. <laughs> there goes Sarge Pepper's Lonely. You, you cannot say the greatest is overrated. It's like saying Abdul Jabbar is overrated as a scorer. No, he is the all-time leading scorer. You may not like them. That's your choice. You can be wrong on that. But you can't say when you hold all the records and 60 friggin' years later they're still being talked about that they're overrated. And if, Clocky, you're listening, you can know what you can do. (laughs) Not just anybody. Help! You know I need some wine! All of PK's golf tips that were paying off yesterday. My short game was on fire, Yach. Oh Yeah, as well as I've seen him play. And it's as well as I played. That was. Have we upgraded the technology? Yes. No, no. That's a joke. And and that was it. When Jake wanted to get back together with PK here, they decided to pick on me and my ancient clubs. For a Hall of Famer, it's embarrassing. I make sure he pays ahead of me. Then we're not in the uh, pro shop at the same time. 
DJ PK, that'll do it for us today. We will see you tomorrow. Or we'll at least talk to you tomorrow. Jake and Ben are coming up next. Stay with us.